Here we go. Excellent. All right, so welcome, Serena. You were the one who uh, wanted to organize this meeting here today. So perhaps you could give a little introduction and uh, what you guys wanted to discuss. Yeah, pardon me. Um, well, I'm just introducing Kaz from New Zealand, who I can see down the bottom left-hand screen. And, um, you know, like Anthony, she's another one I wanted you to meet because I feel, you know, there's a lot of synergy between certain people like Anthony had. Um, and of course, Zev is uh, the same, who should be on um, shortly, hopefully, if he gets my message or he might be in the middle of something, but he's definitely coming because he messaged me before. Um, and, you know, through that synergy, especially knowing now that, you know, where you're, you're getting and you're growing and you're getting so much happening, you need those key people. I think that can help you. Kaz is from New Zealand and she jumped on our Zoom the other morning, Saturday morning. We went for three hours or three and a half, something like that. And it was just absolutely amazing. Um, wow. And Kaz is virtually like that done, <laughs> Kaz has already done all the stuff that, you know, we're doing with you plus more. So I thought, you know, it's very valuable that you guys know where she's coming from and what she has and somehow connect the dots. I don't know. I'm a connector. So I yeah. see a connection. I connect. And yeah, absolutely. Oh, and thank you for that. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and again, this is where, you know, I'm always reiterating the fact that we're just one big team, uh, all working together. We'll, we will all get there so much faster when we work as a team. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're so tired of the divide and conquer. Uh, I mean, we have better things to do. Yeah, we're not about being right. We welcome people to come yeah. and teach us. And if we can all collaborate and, like you said, bring all of our, our strengths together, we're all going to benefit in the end. So, so wonderful. It's yes. Kaz, thank you very much for joining us today. And we welcome any of your knowledge and how you could, you know, help launch what we're trying to do here. Thanks for the invite, actually. I'm quite stoked that I've managed to try and finally get hold of you guys. I've actually um, been in contact with you guys um, through the Divergent page, but I guess it's very difficult when you've got lots and lots of people <laughs> that are constantly in contact with you, yeah. trying to, you know, trying to get your, your audience. <laughs> yeah. um, so so I, I, I do really appreciate Serena's, um, you know, being able to coordinate together so that we can finally come together and, and have a chat. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> I guess um, the reason why I, I myself wanted to get in touch with you guys is because there is probably a little bit of history that you may not be aware of that may actually help in regards to our process. Sure. And it actually starts back in 1835 um, with the original treaty that was signed now it's not the treaty of waitangi there was actually a previous treaty between the um, maori chiefs and the british colonials back in those days um, and unfortunately it was hidden for a very long long time um, it's it had been found a few years back <clears throat> but they haven't they won't acknowledge it because they they basically wrote up the treaty of waitangi um, but the original treaty that was created was actually created because in those days, the Maori chiefs of New Zealand actually had sovereignty rights of the land. And that treaty that they arranged was actually for all of the world. It wasn't just a treaty for New Zealand. It was actually a treaty for the whole world that protected the sovereignty of all lands not just the land of New Zealand. That, that kind of is the, 
quite a major important part of all the treaty and the reason why it's so significant in New Zealand is because New Zealand if you're not aware of it we're the first in time so we're the first ones that see the sun right so and as you know under the maxim rule first in time first in first in sorry first in line is first in time first in rule the first rule is first in time so that's why New Zealand is actually quite significant because all the rules and the regulations, all your legislations were act, are, are still created out of New Zealand and then it is incorporated out to all the other countries. So whenever there is a change in our legislation guarantee within a short period of time, your legislation and the legislations around the world will change. We're kind of the guinea pigs sure. because we are the first in time. Makes sense. Yeah. So um, so there were a few things that I noted in your, because I, I managed to get the list of the 21 documents. <laughs> and, and I looked at that list and I went, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> right? It was quite, quite, a, quite a lot in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll just give you a bit of my background history, um, just to give you a bit of perspective of to where I've come from within my journey. Um, so my, um, my heritage is that um, my great, 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 great grandfather was actually um, a chief that signed that original treaty. So I've got the Maori blood um, on my mother's side. So I've got that, that royalty heritage from that lineage. And on the other lineage um, is Croatian. So I've come from the, the Middle East as well. Um, and my great-grandfather was also the first Maori in parliament, was the first Maori um, minister of, of parliament back in the early 1900s. So he was... So we've got a got a bit of a, a key as far as the legislation. And in my working career, I've been 30 years in IT and I've worked for um, I've worked for the for the Ministry of Health. Um, I've worked in local councils all under IT. And then I've also worked for the largest law firm in New Zealand who also dealt with property law um, and all that sort of stuff. So I've kind of got to understand and learn how to write up instruments um you know what they what their meanings are and all of that sort of stuff so when i looked at your list i went oh yeah that makes sense perfect sense um i i am last not last year sorry the year before 2018 um i know it's going to sound really weird but i ended up having a meditation and i was warned back in october of 2018 that something was going to happen that this this event was about to happen. So when the event happened with the um, E word, <laughs> yeah, um, I knew immediately what it was. Yeah, and so I immediately um, I had already been in touch with an amazing woman by the name of Lena Poo. Um, she is a um, an American light worker, amazing lady who um, was very focused and still is very focused on um, the 5G issue that we're, that we're all facing as well. 
And she had created the most amazing affidavit. Um, and she has also, um, she's actually got a website. She was an ex-army um, specialist in biology. Okay. And she had done a lot of testing in um, blood and how the blood was affected by 5G radiation. And so she started going out around um, America and having talks with doctors and, you know, important official people trying to explain to them the dangers of what 5G was all about. And so she created this group um, by January. I, I was one of the first in her group because I had actually reached out to her when I saw one of her videos and explained to her it actually goes a lot deeper than just the 5G issue. Okay. That we're about to have another a major issue because I could see the signing on the wall that yeah. we were about to go through a major shift. Um, and so I joined with her. She created this affidavit. And one of the most key tools that she used was also a bill of lading. Now, I haven't noticed that you've got a you haven't got a bill of lading. Um, in, in your yeah, list. not a specific one, uh, but some of the attributes of a bill of lading. I, I mean, they're a little bit built in throughout the document, but not a specific bill of lading. No. Yeah, yeah, because bill bill of lading is quite important. It's actually it's it's kind of like um, you know it's as you probably are aware it's when the shipmaster is handing his inventory over onto the land right he has to, he it's a it's like a, an inventory well in new zealand um in part of our source documents there's a source document called the printout i don't know if you're familiar with the printout uh no no well the printout is actually a bill of lading okay <laughs> yeah because it's a it's a printout of um i can show you there's two documents. So in New Zealand, there's four source documents. There's what's called the RG9, which is the notification of the birth. That notification, basically, um, as you are aware, is the midwife and the doctor notifying them that a, a birth has just happened. Right. And all it has, it doesn't have a child's name on it. It actually just says whether it's a male and a female and the weight of the child, right. the date that it's born and who the mother was. Then the second document, and that document is just, when you get the source document, it's just on a normal A4 piece of paper um, with the purple registrar's signature on it. Okay. The second document is the RG27, which is the registration that your mother or your father fills out that entraps you. Um, so that's your second, that's the second mistake. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then in the background, there's this printout and that's the inventory. And the inventory is actually on bond paper and it has two stamps on it. It has the registration purple stamp, but it also has the red stamp. And it's the only one of all the source documents that has the red stamp on it because right. that, is, that is your source document or your bill of lading. Gotcha. So, yeah. And then, the, of course, the fourth one is your normal BDM 107, which is your standard birth certificate that everybody gets. Sure. The interesting part of the New Zealand birth certificate is that the little... Um, uh, do, you want, do, you want me to, do you want me to show yeah. you? Yeah, absolutely. Like? Well, I'm going to actually just make you... 
a, a co-host and then you can actually do you have it on your computer that you can show us at all or no no unfortunately i don't keep anything on my computer because my computer gets invaded <laughs> so yeah you have to be very mindful of that's why i'm a bit mindful about you know how i'm showing you my face so you know you Kaz, have to be very... Kaz, would you mind just turning off your notifications for your emails They're sure loud on our end thank you very much Jeff will be here in 10 minutes too. Sorry, GP. Yeah, I'll watch for him. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. All right. So um, yeah. So this is this is the um this is the RG29. Uh, uh sorry, RG9. Okay. So that's the notification of birth. Right. And as you can see, it just has the child's weight. Yeah. The day, the day that I'm born and my mother's my mother's name and it just has a stamp purple stamp and it's on a normal a4 insignificant yep piece of paper. um this is the second one this is the rg27 okay um and that is basically that's where I get my 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 name. See, my first and my middle name. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. But there's so there's actually no association at all that I have a surname on that document. Right. Okay. It just has just has my first and middle name, and then my parents' name, and then oh. it's so no last name. No last name. No. Okay. Um, the next one, which is your belating, as I was saying, this is your. Um, this is actually on bond. Can you see it? See how it's yeah, yep. And see how it's see how it's like a wave. Sure. Oh, that's, that's you under the sea. So that's the waves waves of the sea. And as you can see, it's got the red and the purple, and it's on it's bond paper. Right. But right. again, if you actually have a look, it just has my first and my middle name. It doesn't have a surname on it. Gotcha. Interesting. Why would that be? That's part of the process coming. Yeah. But they can't create this document or this document without this document. Right. Yeah. That's the notification of the birth. So you can't have these two documents without that document. In New Zealand, what they're now, the BDM are doing is they're actually denying people the original RG9. They're saying they can't find them or it was never created. So um, I've had to actually write back to them um, for a few of my people and state, then you are actually illegally, um, you've actually created an illegal instrument of a birth certificate if you have not got the original RG9 because the RG9 is what you need in order to create the other documents. And then voila, tends yeah. to show up. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, and then, um, and then you have, you have, um, sorry, I've just, because I've, I've done a lot of apostilled, I've apostilled and authentic a lot of my documents. Yep. Um, so just, just showing your standard New Zealand birth certificate, as you can see. Yep. The land is red. Yep. So that's the only living portion of that birth certificate. Correct. Yeah. 
which means that you are the living land. So this this mortgage is basically for land, right. living land or yep. real property. Yeah, and Which document that one. Sorry, this is your BDM one hundred and seven. It's your net standard New Zealand birth certificate that everybody gets. Yeah, right. So when your mother registers you, this is what they send you. Sure, and just to insert a quick little tidbit here for for everyone, that initial mortgage that you're just describing there. There's another maxim that regards once a mortgage, always a mortgage. So if they took our inherent property rights away through the guise of a mortgage, we actually deem that mortgage to now be a mortgage in equity. And now we're actually rolling forward with foreclosure proceedings is essentially one of the tactics that's actually happening in the background. So once it's a mortgage, which is what they set up for us, we're converting it. We're actually changing the mortgagee and the mortgagor positions. And now we're foreclosing on it in equity, which is, again, this is another remedy that's not even available in the common law but it certainly is in equity, so. Yeah, well, it's 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 called um, equity and mortgage, which is, it's a mortgage arising in equity out of the transactions of the parties without a deed or express contract for that special purpose. Right. It goes on to say that when a debtor deposits the title deeds of his estate with his creditors or some other person on their behalf, which in this yeah. instance was the doctor and the midwife, Without verbal communications, the deposit itself is deemed evidence of an executed agreement or contract for a mortgage for such a state. There you go. So, yeah. so that's that's basically what it is. So now you've named your document surrender um, for of redemption. For, surrender yeah. for redemption. Yeah. We're not actually going to be naming it that. What we're going to be naming it is equity in redemption. Because sure. equity, equity and redemption, which is merely a right to bring an action in the chancery division to redeem the estate. Right. So that, that's the proper name for yeah. redeeming, redeeming it. The other thing that I am looking at your list is there's another one that's missing, and that's the writ of mandamus. Mandamus, yep. Mandamus. Yep. Um, yep. That also... Because you've got the memorandum, as you say, the memorandum is the list of instructions of sure. what they're meant to be doing. Yeah. But a writ of mandamus or mandamus or however you pronounce, however anybody wants to pronounce it, yeah. is actually the compelling of those instructions. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So so it's because you're you're compelling them to fulfill their duties. Sure. And this is where um, through the context of subrogation, when we're losing in the inferior tribunal level, the writ of mandamus comes from above. It literally comes from the appellate level. So it's where a, a superior court judge is instructing the <coughs> inferior court judge in how to proceed. So fundamentally there, yeah, it does play a, a, an important component. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that, that, was, um, that was kind of where I was at. And the other thing, um, going through the New Zealand and the Australian legislation. Um, now, we can't register digitally like you guys did. Okay. Um, the only reason for land titles is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, unless you are a lawyer or a conveyancer. Right. Majority, majority of people can't. But I did actually find um, the paper form. So for in New Zealand, 
you have um, there is um, our our office that you do land titles for is called um, uh, Land Information New Zealand or LINS. Oh, okay. Yep. And they on their website has the ability to download the forms. Oh, okay. That you can fill out. Sure. And are you able um, to email those back in to submit them or do you have to hard mail them? This is what I found in the legislation. <laughs> Under the Land Transfer Act 2013, uh, 2017, sorry, sub subsection 33, execution of a paper instrument. A paper instrument that creates, transfers, or otherwise affects an estate or interest in land under the provisions of this Act must be executed and witnessed in accordance with this Act in any other enactment. It goes on to subsection 36 where it says when a paper instrument is lodged. An instrument that is lodged by being posted to a designated land registry office is treated as having been lodged. Yeah. A on the working day after the date on which it is received and B, before any other instrument relating to the same estate or interest that is lodged on that day. Sure, sure. So part of our process is, is that we will fill in the form yeah. and we will registered mail. Yeah, because a lot of the extraordinary, a lot of the extraordinary process type documents, whether you're, you know, you're going to court for a proceeding for an injunction, or if you're seeking a writ of mandamus, or if you're seeking an accounting, these are all what they call extraordinary remedies. And they actually do not like us electronically submitting the extraordinary documents. They would rather be like you're suggesting through the registered mail system for security yeah. purposes. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree. Yep. Um, there's also um, subsection two, which is the caveat document, which you have a, a caveat document. When lodged by being posted to a designated land registry office is treated as having been lodged after an instrument lodged in the same manner on the same day. Right. So, so um, and, and interesting enough, um, I'll just see if I can find it for you. Just give me two seconds. Um, So basically, what I what I what I what I found. Sorry, I'm, I'm, sorry. Can you show this one on your screen? Yeah, I'm just trying to find it. It's actually under the Property Law Act 2007. It's called Schedule Six: Provisions Applying to Land Not Owned by Crown and Not Under Land Transfer Act. Oh. Okay. And you just love that. Yeah. Hang on. Let me just find that because that's basically what they're doing is they're describing us. All right. So now you can click on share your screen once you find that form and then we yeah, can let me, yeah let me just uh, yeah I found it. Focus, so okay okay so here it is here and what i love about this is that it actually tells you how to write it out how the, the form yeah. formula in which Perfect. they will accept yep um so this is the deed of, of conveyance. Yep. It tells you what it's all about, what you should include in it. Um, the sale by administrator. I love it. You know, like it, yep. it actually has been in our face all the time. Yeah, it's just yeah, that. Yeah, I was just going to say it's a template sitting there. Yeah. Yep. And then the mortgage of land. Yep. Oh, wow. Excellent. Um, 
yeah so this is the New Zealand version now I have been searching for the Australian version they do kind of have the Australian version as well but they don't have it in in form um, like this but the good thing about New Zealand and Australia is that we have the Trans-Tasman Agreement. Okay. So, so if the Australian um, people cannot find it in Australia, we can bring it to the New Zealand and use the oh, okay. same yeah. Trans-Tasman yeah. So it's just a, just a utility legislation, sure, that passes. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that um, the other thing is, is that we have to change fee simple because um, we are as I'm not sure if you are aware, but we are actually fee simple now. Yeah. So we yeah. we are actually fee simple. Yeah. So in, in part of the reversion or part of the remainder category there, of, uh, you know, from the conversion, like you're mentioning, I I maintain the fee simple as is, but I transferred that to the new secured party, which means now we're not the fee simple; they are because the fee simple is still subject to the rules of the king. Still subject to prosecution, still still uh, subject to taxation, and, all that. and that's why yeah. I'm like, okay, well, under the doctrines of subrogation, if we can't quite escape that the way it is, well, we're just going to transfer that interest to the new debtors. Let them hold this fee simple and be liable for it. So I see where you're going with that, but yeah, there is there is a another name that's even more important, which gives the more power for them to have to handle, and it's called uh, paramount title. Sure. Yep. Which yep. is um, it is the law of real property, which is which is actually what we are, right? Right. It is, yep. it is the, and one which is superior to the title with which it is compared. Right. Yep. So at the moment we are compared as fee simple. Yeah. But we're actually paramount because we are superior. Yeah, because we haven't quite expressed the paramountness of the situation properly, and until we perfect that, we're still deemed to be like you're suggesting the, the chattel <laughs> subject to all the rules and regulations. So yeah, completely agree. Yeah. Um, so, and we also have then the ability to claim on paramount equity. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Um, which if for anybody who doesn't know an, uh, an equitable right or claim, which is prior superior or preferably to that, which it is compared yeah. So, so we're we're doing that. So, when you're when you've created your security agreement, what we should be doing is security and equity trust agreement. Yeah. Sure. Um, any any instrument with the word trust in it anywhere can actually be construed as a trust document. Um, kind of the doctrines of equity, but yeah, I appreciate what you're saying there with the titling things a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's going to be context there where it is relevant. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, so so that was, and also under the Land Transfer Act, um, there is what's called a record of title. Um, let me just see if I can find that one for you. Just give me two seconds. I've got so many frigging windows open now, it's not even funny. Uh, <laughs> I know that feeling well. 
<laughs> it's just that I keep them all here because I'm, you know, I'm working through them. So it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah I, I sort of have that problem as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, welcome to our world, right? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Okay, so this is the record of title. It's basically telling you step by step what it must comprise of. Right. So when we're creating our letter of title, they've actually given us what what needs to be done. Sure. Now I found it interesting under this unit titles at 2010, which is the stratum, because I'd always believed that the stratum was, you know, layers of, of land. Sure. But if you go back through the old English stratum also means the layers of the skin. Okay. So, yeah. So if you actually have a look at stratum in the unit titles act, when you're doing the description part of your land title, you can call it the stratum estate. Gotcha. Because yep. we're talking about the land of the layers of the skin. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, there's so there's so much. Actually, you know what? Don't scroll up there for a second, if you don't mind, Kaz. Um, what I was mentioning uh, in the earlier um, uh, Zoom meeting this morning with the, uh, the people from Israel, I was talking about, they were saying, how long does this process typically take? And I was like, okay, well, it's typically going to be around the 40-day mark because they actually have to take 30 days of the 40 to post an ad in the Gazette, number 12, E, a proclamation or notice published in the Gazette. That's a 30-day process and registered under this act, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. that's a perfect segue to answer what I was alluding to I'm earlier this to morning. Yeah, there it exactly. is right there. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's like it's the old hear ye, hear ye, yeah, town prior, which yeah, it is, has to be posted. Yeah, for sure. It has, it has to be posted. Yeah. Um. So, uh, under the under the um title act, there is um one of the rules that they have is that you have to um also include a tax statement. Right. Right. Yeah. But um, under the yeah, so under the Land Transfer Act 2017, there is a tax statement that you have to um, include whenever you're doing a a land title or a land transfer or anything like that. Sure. But there is an exception, and the exception is stating that there is a non-notifiable transfer. Right. Yeah. And, and I went. Hmm. That that sounds like that. That sounds right there. That sounds like an unregistered equitable claim on the surface, right there. Bingo. Yes. That's exactly what it is. So I went and had a look at those acts, those two acts. Right. Um, if you wish me to share that as well. Sure. Absolutely. Um, okay. And just to play off of the unregistered equitable interest for a moment there, when we are sifting through the Securities Transfer Acts and some of those types of legislations, when we start seeing the words uncertificated security interest, they're actually talking about the non-registered equitable interest. It's actually uncertificated. It doesn't, it's in our minds, but it hasn't been transferred to paper yet. So you, as people do some digging and a little bit of research, when you, again, when you see the 
uncertificated security interest. What is that? Well, there you go. It's, it's part of what we're and not actually New Zealand and Australia are not going to find those wordings. Oh, really? Darren. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Our, our wording is perfected and non-perfected. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Same thing for sure. So we have to, you know, because I went searching for that particular thing and I went, <laughs> can't bloody find it. Oh, Excellent. Yeah. It uh, it's pretty it's pretty nifty how they layer so much extra knowledge just in between legislations between territories and provinces and states and again i was i was shown this uh, a number of years back where the gentleman who was kind of showing me some of these things was say suggesting hey if you want to get a really good grasp on on this stuff don't read one particular area or territory or province diversify that go go research several uh, because the wording between the several different legislations, there's a lot of meticulous uh, understanding, if you will, that's actually hiding in there. And you won't actually develop a complete picture by strictly researching or, or Googling the one. Uh, yeah, spread that out. And you'd be surprised at how much other, oh, that's another beautiful way of saying that. Or, oh, there's a there's a com better, uh, you know, it's just, it's it's more satisfying. The more you kind of dig and research on some of this stuff, it's it's pretty yeah. cool. It's pretty cool. Yes. Okay, so um, so let me just show you this one. It actually comes under the land transfer, land information, offshore persons information. Interesting how they've named that, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so this is the exempt transfers. Okay. So it's telling you that it's actually B, transfer of property by Crown under Treaty Settlement Act. Yep. Remember how I said right at the beginning of this that the the actual original treaty, right? Yeah, was the fact that we all we all had sovereignty worldwide, not just for the New Zealand Maoris. It was worldwide. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and then so when it, when it talks about the exempt transfers, there is a, what's called, as I said, the non-notifiable transfers. Right. And, and here it is. Here, look. Yeah. And again, we're, we're talking about a lot about it. We're talking about a lot of equity right here. We're talking about a lot of private stuff that's not for public consumption, which is why it's non-notifiable. It's not, it's not meant to be brought into the public realm, which Correct. means we're not even really supposed to give them notice of what we're actually trying to do there. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that when, when the tax um, portion of the land transfer um, we have to include on it as part of their rules and regulations. Sure. We use this particular clause to say, hey, actually we're exempted because right. of this. Nice, yep. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind Cass, sending me a copy of that stuff, just so I can, I mean, I got a pretty good memory, but <laughs> it's just yeah, easier no, if, I'm able, if I'm able to look at it, so. Yeah. I also uh, wanna, look up there, Kaz, there's another one which applies for New Zealand as well, uh, which is an old Commonwealth Act from 1874 called the Pacific Island Protection Act. And that's got yeah. some really awesome stuff uh, pertaining to a lot of the tribal mob and their admiralty jurisdiction finishing at the high tide mark. So yes. anything happening inland of the high tide mark is off limits to them under their admiralty uh, in accordance with that act, which was done by Queen Victoria and has never been repealed. And that's got yeah, some really awesome stuff uh, in it as well. I'll put it up in the chat for everyone so you can see what the, sure. the actual. Oh, thank you. And Bever or Serena, while we have uh, you on here, why don't you do a quick little introduction so we know who just joined us, please? <laughs> I was just thinking about that too while we just took a breather then. So this is Zeb from um, Queensland. <laughs> You're in Queensland, aren't you? 
Uh, I'm in Melbourne at the moment, but Northern New yeah. South Wales is where I reside. You're yeah. close. Yeah, and, and as I sort of said before, like Zev is a, one of the big gurus in our CLC groups that we have Tuesday and Thursday night. He spends right. a lot of time at the moment helping people with court cases and stuff. So that's probably why he's in Melbourne and he's always busy. He's always yeah. perfecting documents, um, affidavits. And I think the one thing that we he's going to be talking to you about is the secured parties uh, document. Is that correct, Zev? Yeah, just I wanted to wanted to speak with you guys a bit more directly. And look, thank you for getting us on a smaller one without huge numbers, so we can actually <laughs> talk. Go through yeah, so I know yeah. when you guys have the bigger zooms, just get slammed with questions. Yeah, I know. Um, I, you saying, guys are I think this is the team, isn't it, Jody? This is the team, isn't it, or something? Not just a chit chat. Uh, there's there's select people that are in here. Of course, we got some of our team, which is Anthony and Kim in here. Beverly's on. Uh, we're going to answer some questions after for her. But yes, this is exclusively pretty much to to hear um, from the two people that are talking right now. So absolutely, well, look, like Anthony's been helping me um, in the last say month or so. Um, Anthony's given me a massive amount of help to redo all the UCC forms and paperwork. Oh, perfect. Uh, okay. Commercial code filing. And I just wanted to, to really pick your brains, guys, and the others on here, obviously quite knowledgeable and a bit of experience at this, as to how separate or how aligned the secured party creditor style stuff, which I'm reasonably savvy with the Uniform Commercial Code and UFC yeah. codes and filings. Yep. Um, I've helped, Anthony, as I said, Anthony's helped me redo a lot of the paperwork. He's got a great head for this stuff, so I'm stoked to see him on here. Um, just to see how the, the differencing between maybe, I don't know how familiar you guys are with, say, some of the paperwork that I've done in the past, um, where I've taken full ownership of the straw man. Um, I know what you guys are doing. I've done a fair bit of reading up on the divergent process with surrendering the title. Um, sure. I think a brilliant way of doing it. I'm just curious, does one cancel out the other? Can we still use both? Or is it from what I've been reading, we sort of being the settler rather than the creditor, it tends to supersede um, yeah. being the creditor to do it that way with surrendering the title. And I get yeah. that we're still attached to it with what we've done. Yeah. But yeah. for me, I've been really effective um, and successful with what we've done with UCC to the point where the local police in my area, I can't get pulled over or get a ticket. I go past the cops 20Ks over the limit, smiling and waving. Yeah. 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 Um, I go through fixed cameras over the limit. I don't get tickets anymore. Um, so something's been put through on my name or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Some, something's, something's working. working. Yeah, for sure. So to, to answer that question quickly, um, I have a little bit of experience with the UCC. Um, inherently, I know what it's doing. The cool thing is, is that's almost like a, uh, an overseeing layer, which is why it's called uniform. It will actually apply literally globally. So it is, a, it is a redundant layer, though. However, because every province, territory, or state has its own proprietary methods, modes of perfecting, methods of delivery, methods of conveyancing, and putting these things into the possession of the secured party. Um, the UCC does the exact same thing, but just more of a uniform layer, because there are subtle differences between each territory, each province, and each state. So they're just saying, hey, if we can't uh, facilitate a program where our perfection in this area is going to be accepted in another area, then we have to create a uniform type jurisdiction that will manage all of this and kind of collectively bring it under one umbrella. It's interesting because on the perfection documents that I use for Manitoba, for example, it has a box to check this. It actually su suggests 
which jurisdiction did you perfect your interests in? And what that question is technically asking is, did you perfect it locally or did you use the UCC system? So they actually yeah. just want you to stipulate. They actually just literally want you to indicate or stipulate which process you used. So it is it is a very important and relevant concept. Um, I like all the stuff about the UCC. And again, it's, it's going to create a, a situation for us to come and clean our hands get rid of that 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 security interest and put them into possession of it put the secured party into possession of it so to play off for just another moment of what you're suggesting there um i haven't spent a lot of uh, time researching other groups or other mentors uh secured party process to be honest with you i haven't looked at it at all i have just kind of developed this system on my own based on my experiences with dean and our our small group here um the secured party itself Here's, here's my quick take on it. Once we put them into possession, they are secured. Then we come along and we subrogate that position, which means we are technically the ones that are secured. And they're the ones that become insolvent. We are now solvent and so forth. So shall it be. Um, yeah. well, again, so it's like we're it's like we're taking an instrument. We're making it a whole bunch better. We're giving it to this. We're giving it to a party. And then we're literally jumping into their shoes once that beautiful gift shows up. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I get that side of it that we we hand that over. I'm yeah. Kind of, I suppose, trying to get my head around uh, how we can do both, have the best of both worlds with doing yeah. this. Because, like, some of us, like myself, and if need be, I'm happy to let it go. But a part of me is a bit reluctant because of the many years I've spent yeah. um, learning this. And as I said, I've just redone all these documents with Anthony in the last month or so to tidy them up, yeah. um, change some of the wording, and tighten up the. All of our documents, Anthony said he's just sent them to you guys. I've got terms and a glossary in them as to what's defined by creditor and debtor, sure. who the parties are. Yeah. Um, so we, we've done a, a common law copyright notice of our name, uh, okay. both our and our case, so we can take, they can't use that. There's a million dollar fee for breach of copyright. Right. Um, if anyone writes down your name or uses it without your written express consent, I've got a, some other paperwork for verification of receipt of particulars, which we... They never do, but you ask them to sign it so that we could invoice them for the million dollars. Right, the right. process for the invoicing. Yeah. Um, we've also got a, a private agreement, um, which is done between your lowercase name and your uppercase name. So we send it via registered post from our lowercase to our uppercase name. Yep. yep. And yep. we ask for objections or rebuttals. Now, as the dead don't object to a lot, I haven't had any objections or rebuttals to what yeah, we've no. done, um, no, which is a great way, great way to do it, to post it to yourself from the lowercase to the uppercase and, and, and oh, look, we've got no objections yeah and here's what that does have in 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 the in, in a nutshell when you actually convey that all caps name to yourself you're technically right there capturing the security interest or you're capturing the legal title as grantee when you're accepting this title as grantee grantee technically means that that person or that party holds both the legal title and the equitable title therefore if you're the owner like you're suggesting there you wanted to have the ownership of the name that's fine for just a moment though. Now come forward as the settlor because you have control of that legal name and now grant that away to the new debtors or the secured party or the successor in interest. That's the oh, actual, that's the part that creates the trust, right? There. So what we've done basically from listening to you there, then mate, we've, we've done the groundwork to create the, the foundation for doing yes. that to yes. say that we have the legal right yes. to be able to hand that over. So what we've yes. It's good to hear that what we've been doing isn't a complete waste of time. Which um, can, I, can I just step in there, though, Ziv? Yep. 
because we've we've actually done that same process that you are talking about here in New Zealand as well. So we, um, I belong to, I've, I've got a, a council that there's New Zealand and Australia. So we, we did all that as well. What's happening here in New Zealand though, is that they, um, the um, PPSA registrar has come back and now accused some of our um, sovereigns of being fictitious and vexatious. Yeah. Because because they can't that they're basically stating that you can't have an agreement with yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what they're we've actually had the now same here doing, with the PPSR. Yeah. yeah. They've start what they've done is they've started to remove people off off the registry. So um, Darren, we actually um, I think one of our members has been in contact with you where he's had the notice from the registrar to say they're about to to remove him off it. Sure. So, yeah. And again, we have to kind of keep in mind here, these are the public responses. The public response that I'm getting from the registrars here are essentially saying, I'm not authorized to deal with this. That's perfect because we just exhausted a legal remedy with that admission. Now we can go to the court and say, look, even the registrar general, even the land titles people, even they are not authorized to deal with this matter. Therefore, it's coming to you, your honor. You have to appropriate this. You have to approve the transaction. You have to put the completed title into the transferee so that now we can enjoy as the transfer or, or the assignor, otherwise the beneficiary after we've settled all this stuff. So again, they're literally just pushing us, pushing us, pushing us to go to court because only the court, only a court of chancery can deal with this stuff. So going to land titles and going to the PPSR, I mean, yeah, that's doing a couple of things. It's exhausting remedies. It's laying down track because when we show up to court with a with an effort or an application to the PPSR people saying, look, your honor, I tried this and it, let's just say it didn't work or it didn't avail. Uh, and now we're getting into so much trustee world, Your Honor. I'm just going to uh, request or, or demand that this court now appoints new trustees because I have better things to do at this point than sift through all this stuff just to have the registrar generals reject it or you know the PPSR people reject it. It's it's pushing quick us towards question. court. Is all it's really doing. Quick question for you. I've noticed too a lot of the divergent paper. You guys are going beneficiary as opposed to executive beneficiary. And I was curious if there was a reason why, because I've always gone for the executive beneficiary so that we not only are the beneficiary, but we're the executive and can execute orders to sure. do so. So by adding yeah. the term executive gives it that next, yeah. next and, layer up of authority yeah. so that we can execute orders so that we actually have the authority to execute. Well, you're the trustee in the debtor yeah. now. Here's the yeah. title, you own it. Sure. And as the executive beneficiary rather than the beneficiary, we can execute the orders and that authorizes us to be able to do so. Yeah, and you know what? The Canadian version of what you just described, my friend, is actually called the security entitlement holder. Once you're the security entitlement holder, which is actually very similar to an executive beneficiary, you have now the ability or the power to appropriate orders, directions, instructions, demands. Yeah. Exact same thing, just different phraseology to accomplish it. Yeah. I think yeah. this is what a lot of us in Australia are trying to get our heads around is how to yeah. adapt it. Yeah. I make it bulletproof here. So I've been looking through some of the docs to see, um, not that I'm questioning, don't take this the wrong way. I'm not questioning or doubting because I think what you guys are doing is brilliant. Um, <laughs> and it, it's a different take on things that some of us have been doing this for many a year yeah. to see. I'm trying to find holes in it because if we can find holes in the wording or grammar or the layout, if one of us can see a hole in it, then some bastard on the other end of the system yeah, here yeah. might be able to see that same hole. So I try yeah, to absolutely. find and the it, holes to plug them so that there aren't any. 
Yeah. And that's, that's one of the reasons why we chose to post all this stuff for the world so that, you know, contributors like yourselves can look at what we're doing and go, ah, 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 let's just tweak this, or let's just move this here, or let's delete that. And let's add this. What again, again, um, we're all about the collective, the team effort, and it's actually happening because um, it, it, with, with um, one of the things I've, I've actually had the privilege of working with, with a sovereign who has got out of the system as well. Um, not only is he out of the system, he actually got the letter from the Vatican. He's had the letter from the Queen, um, letter from the Privy Council, and he's been invited to stand on the United Nations panel. So he's wow. pretty pretty much up there. <clears throat> so I've I've been quite privileged um, to to have been working with him. And one of the things that he does state very clearly is is your layout, it's your wording, and it's actually the paper that you use. Now, he does not use any paper except Bond eggshell blue yep. paper. Yeah, and uh, not, not A4 either. And another thing, not A4. Don't yeah. use A4. Yeah. If you want to avoid A4, you just cut the corner off it. It's yeah. no longer yeah. A4 then. Land Titles does that because it's a, it's a way of incapacitating or changing the structural sub substantive nature of a document. We've actually sent uh live birth records into vital statistics and land titles to negotiate them and they've actually sent them back with that corner clipped yeah yeah, so, don't yeah. also yeah. two little tip never use new times roman or font size 12 because that's what they use that's right. what they so use any, any other font and yeah. don't use font size 12 because that's what the the system has claimed internationally sure. as their standard thing for anything in english sure. it'll be a new times roman and font size 12 so sure. we do 11.5 or 12.5, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and I usually yeah. use the aerial font because it's one of the top ones on the list when you change fonts. Just sure. for being, <laughs> just just because um, it's, it's there and it's at the top of the list and it's it's an easy one to read. For sure. uh, and it's not New Times Roman. So again, it's little things like that that take yeah. it out of there. Yeah. yeah the, other, so the other thing that you can do also is what which we uh, intend to be doing is we actually took a photocopy of our birth certificate, created a copy. We're going to go and get it um, certified because it is a copy um, on vellum paper because vellum paper is, is transparent. It's okay. where you get your human being or your transparency because if you have a look on your passports and, and um, on some people's driver's license, depending on where in the world, there is that transparent picture yeah. on it. And that's because we're, we're dead at sea. So when you're handing back your birth certificates on vellum paper, you're actually um, doing what the Vatican um, has been doing yeah. all along yeah. with his Absolutely. Vellum. Yeah. And here's, I mean, one of the primary doctrines of equity suggesting that equity regards, you know, intent over form. I know we've all heard this one. I love all these little artistic attributes and all these, uh, you know, uh, beautiful little scenarios and nuances. But just, again, keep in mind here, we could literally write this stuff in crayon on a paper towel to get it before a judge. The judge has the power to reform. What, what does reform mean? He can literally rip up our piece of paper towel and he would literally draft all this beautifully, exactly the way it's supposed to be. We just had to show up with the proper intent, the proper, wording. I want, yeah, the, a, a little bit of the proper wording, like you're suggesting. And that's where writing that adverse claim right on the birth certificate itself is technically a security agreement right there. When I created the secondary, uh, when I created the security agreement, that was a secondary process. The adverse claim written right on the birth certificate is actually considered to be a security agreement right there. 
Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yep. The, yeah other, the other portion of that, sorry, going back to the land title and, you know, some of the key things that we, we're going to be including yeah. is under Form 38, under the land transfer or the LINS of New Zealand, there is a form called caveat against application for record of title based on adverse possession. Beautiful. <laughs> I think we're going to use that one. <laughs> you guys too, another question. There's a guy from New Zealand who's now moved to northern New South Wales up my way, calls yep. himself Crown Nelson. Now, I don't know if you guys have done much work with him, but the stuff he's doing with the claiming of being Crown. Now, I've seen his driver's license. His driver's license has no name on it. It just says Crown. That's hmm. the only identifying thing on his license. Now, wow, that's in pretty the cool. In the Commonwealth Nations, a lot of our legislative instruments, which are, of course, only for commercial corporate entities, not for we the living, Yeah, it says usually in the introduction uh, or in the short title of the acts, there'll be a section there that says this act binds the Crown yep. and or this act binds the Commonwealth. Now, yes. for the Commonwealth Nations, especially here in Australia, we got this awesome act they put through in 1890 called the 1890 Partnership Act. Now, in accordance with the 1890 Partnership Act, any of us born in the Commonwealth nation are individual shareholders of the Commonwealth. Right. So when it says in the act, this act binds the Commonwealth. Yes. If you know how to word that properly, that act is now bound to us as we right. the living as shareholders. But it's not because we the living are the equity. Technically, it's bound to the all caps name. That's right. There's a way to screw with that and have a play with it and still claim those shareholder benefits yes. to be able to utilize the fact that it's it binds the Commonwealth, therefore it's bound to us. Correct. With what yeah. you guys are doing, it's bound to that name, which we are, of course, the beneficiary of, and the beneficiary receives the benefits of the shares. That's right. So we can still utilize that in order to claim that. Now, with what Nelson and his Crown Mob are doing, where they just go in the court and who are you? Or I'm Crown. Oh, we're looking for John Smith. Yeah, I'm Crown. I'm here to, as the authorised representative, to represent, you know, myself to the court as Crown. And the act you're referring to binds the Crown. Therefore, you're bound to me. And That's you right. can make your own orders that way. Now, with what Kaz has been reading out for the stuff in New Zealand there, with it, the references to Crown and all, to be able to <clears throat> try and explain this to you guys, what I've been doing for many years is learning a lot, uh, not just on common law, but on trust law, contract law, uh, crown, commonwealth, uh, right. admiralty, all of it. I uh, yep. try and sort of do a bit of a mix of which hat am I wearing today, you know, and try and mix it all together to give us a bit more when we're going after these bastards. So yeah. to be able to utilise some of that authority um, as crown as well, I'm, I'm still trying to poke my head around how to, utilize that and still claim as the living and there are ways to do it because nelson's yeah. done a lot of this. yeah i mean I, as far as i'm as, as far as my experience is telling me right now we literally come back from being deemed lost at sea the moment that we perfect that security that certificate the moment that happens boom you're deemed to have returned right there that's the single act that allows us to move and present the rest of those evidences in however format we choose to prevent or you know present these evidences to a judge, but we're literally you could be construed as being in the land of safety the moment that you assign that security interest and you identify who the assignment is to. Very critical components in terms of you know contract law as to what's really going on here. Yeah. Remember, so remember have... when I was saying. Remember when I was saying to you as part of doing the transfer land transfer portion transfer portion of those documentation, you have to pay the tax. 
right. and we're doing the we're doing the non um you know we're doing the exemption of the tax there was one key component that I hadn't mentioned yet, and that is in regards to the Crown Minerals square bra um, brackets royalties of minerals other than petroleum regulations 2013. Because remember, every single legislation that they talk about, whether it's ports, whether it's mortgages, whether it's minerals, they're actually talking about us. Yeah. So every, every rule and regulation that they're creating, vehicles, whatever, they're actually talking about us. Yeah. And in that particular one, um, in that particular act, there is a section in there that says that tax needs to be paid for royalties to be claimed back. <coughs> sure. Yeah, to be claimed by the Crown or the Commonwealth, yeah. depending on what country you're in. It's, it's basically... We get the benefits the of that. Well. Yeah, and, and, and here's the other thing. When we tax valuable consideration in specie to that certificate of security, that actually absolves all the taxation. That actually discharges the, the taxation right then and there. And it puts the new insolvent party in possession of, uh-oh, now we're burdened with the taxation. Uh, I know the trust is the utility that kind of manages the taxation. But again, it's that single silver coin that literally can discharge all the debts that come down the pipe attached to that security. So, so is there is yeah. So not only did it help to pass the legal title, it because it's construed, to be, it's construed to actually be capital dispositions attached to a trust. The capital is the silver coin. Now it will dispose of your interest in the sesticate use of property. And that's what literally transfers or helps to transfer and put that burden back into the possession of the party that it rightfully belongs to. And then to Zev pick up on what you were just mentioning there, uh, I built the security agreement and the special affidavit and the stuff I've built my documents pretty primarily out of three or four pieces of legislation. You know, I use the, the Real Property Act, I use the uh, Trustee Act, uh, the Securities Transfer Act, and the, uh, there's one more, but anyway, anyway. All of those acts also have those clauses built in. This act applies to the crown. So every one that I used has, has that in it as well. Yeah. Awesome. Now, when you're doing these, um, I love the idea of making them insolvent because once they're insolvent, obviously they can't trade. That's right. And then everything has to go to the beneficiary being us, of course, which is a very clever way of doing it. I, I do yes. like that side of it. Yeah. When you're doing that, my question like for the court, you need the magistrate's full name or do you just address it? Because you don't know who's sitting on the day. So how yeah. do you get around to actually name them? Because yeah. one of the big things I like to explain to people is we can't contract with a non-living entity with, say, sure. New South Wales Police because a contract requires joinder, which needs a meeting of the minds. Yeah. And clearly, yeah. our mind of a living man can't meet with the mind of a non-living entity, which has no mind. Yeah, that's right. And I would, I mean, when we're walking into a public hearing... I would actually leave even leave that spot open, like so that you can literally, while you're standing there in public court, you can literally fill in the personal name of the magistrate or the judge that you're dealing with. Um, and yeah, I mean, in personam, we're trying to ditch the surname altogether. So rather than hey, hey, Your Honor, Jim Johnson, in personam is technically dealing with first names only. Hey, Jim. Hey, Bob. Hey, Dave. Hey, Nancy. Right? We literally still abandon the surname. Uh, that's what the closed chambers private meetings are typically all about. Surnames are not supposed to be in there being negotiated as the living man standing there as a testament as to being it. No, 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 no. We're no longer it. That's why we were able or entitled to even get into chambers. Again, this kind of falls back onto the clean hands doctrine, which kind yeah. of subs subsides or it kind of subscribes itself when we attach that little blurb to that certificate, attach that so silver coin. 
that's the Latin maxim of law about coming into equity with clean hands. And only yes. those who come in with clean hands, I can't remember it in Latin exactly, but I know the one you're yes. talking about. Yes. He who, seeks equity, he who seeks equity must come in with clean, with without, it actually says without unclean. So that's the double negative that's always confusing the public. Equity <clears> in the public will always act in the negative to hide it from the public because he who seeks equity must not have unclean hands. Like, well, that doesn't even make sense. So see how it just kind of confuses the public? It's literally saying, come into equity with clean hands. <laughs> That's um, all. I, will, I will say, though, that the, the sovereign that I mentioned before, um, he actually submitted all his documentation to the portmaster. Oh, perfect. Yep. Because sure. the, portmaster, the portmaster is actually the most powerful person in the country. It's, right. not, it's not it's not the judges the judges themselves are just administrators if you're yeah. going to use a name you should be using the registrar and the clerk's office because she's the one that does the stamping yeah, yeah, yeah. the clerks and here in australia especially the clerks and the sheriffs actually hold the power in the court not the magistrate yeah. they're notaries going, yeah, yeah and, as, and as you're saying because if you go through the port authorities and the portmaster that comes into a lot of the Russell J. Gould stuff and the UPU, the Universal Postal Union. Postal Union, now, yeah. The, the yeah. UPU uh, is actually what governs the port authorities. Right. And actually has control and um, it, authority over it, the maritime and admiralty, which yeah, is what it, we're it, in the courts. It's, the UPU literally controls commerce around the globe. Yeah. Yep. And I do that through governing the admiralty and maritime law right. and the military yep. law, which is technically what we're in. Because when we go into the courts where we're going in there, unless we're enlisted, we're yep. going in as non-combatants and we're yep. in a court of combatant jurisdiction. Sure. So that's another way of being able to negate a lot of that to just go, well, hang on, I'm a non-combatant. I'm in the wrong place. And another, word, and another word for that, my friend, is I've surrendered, <laughs> I've surrendered for redemption that security interest. Boom. You just said I'm yep. no longer at war. And if I'm no longer yeah, at war, I'm, I'm in peace. If I'm at peace, you cannot drag me back into a war. That's unconscionable. Yeah, that, that the, ports, the ports we're talking about, they all ports actually lead back to Rome. And if you go into the Vatican, where the Vatican actually, you know, with the keyhole and the, you know, the, the five, um, those are actually all the ports coming back to the main port. And that main port is the key of the whore. Um, because they consider us all whores and bastards, um, you know, of of um, not God per se. Yeah. So, so yeah. that's why it's so important um, that that the the portmaster um, is is the most powerful person because he is actually the direct communication with the Vatican. Sure, which is Again. which is where yeah. all these documents should be going. Yeah, for sure. Well. And, and to, to sort of play off that one again as well. I mean, I remember uh, reading some some uh, article about they offered Benjamin Franklin the per, the presidency and he turned it down and said, no, I want to be the postmaster general. So yeah, exactly. very similar in regard to the port authority. But he said, no, 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 I don't want to be president. Yeah, so again, there's Actually, some... I have a postmaster general stamp, a self-inking stamp I've had made up for myself. So all my documents I hit with the postmaster general stamp, but I've only been questioned on it a couple of times. And they've said, are you a postmaster? And I've gone, no, I'm the postmaster of my own vessel, being that of my own body. And I'm the postmaster of my own documents. Therefore, I am a postmaster general, just not in your system. I'm right. my own postmaster general. Now, a friend of mine who works directly with Russell J. Gould and has, is a federal postmaster recognized by the UPU, 
she's always staring me saying, you can't use that stamp. You haven't been, and I've explained to her, no, no, I'm the postmaster general of this vessel being that of my own body. And sure. when you go into court, you're entering their vessel, which they're claiming is a court. So right. my claim is, well, this vessel being my body is my court. Yep. So I don't use JPs anymore, Justice of the Peace. Okay. I have a stamp that says certified true copy, registrar oh. and date. And I autograph it. I do the right thumbprint on it and sign and date through it as nice. my own registrar. I actually I actually have a, a stamp, a, a um, office of Escovia. Oh, okay. okay, yep. So these, these little stamps are pretty handy stuff too. And when I've been questioned on it, they've gone, who's the registrar? I said, me. I said, but registrar has to be for a court. I said, yeah. This vessel is my court, just as when I enter your court as your vessel. This is my court, which I'm the registrar of, and I've certified it as a true copy sure. by my own authority. And no one's been able to get around that one on me as yet. So far. Something it, so simple as a stamp. Yeah. Okay. So, so to expand on that just a little bit, when you guys are going to get your registered mail stickers, go get a bundle of 100 stickers at a time. Why? Because that bundle of 100 actually comes with its own docket number. There's your private court. You're 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 you're, you're subscribing. Your subscribing registered mail numbers or actually account numbers or court file numbers potentially in the, on the private side. So it comes with yeah. your own docket number, which means you can now be the the registrar of your own court. Yeah, so that's your own. We call them. I use them as a, as a shipping uh, number for the Admiralty yeah. Maritime. Yeah. Um, another question for you on that note. Do you guys use bills of lading or anything when you're sending a wave of documents? Do you yeah, stick it up them a bit further? Yeah, Kaz, yeah, we us and Kaz went through that just before you got onto the Zoom here. Uh, I wasn't technically incorporating the bill of lading into my documentation, but again, this is this is something that may be addressed while you're in chambers in front of the judge. You can literally say, uh, yeah, Your Honor, and by the way, I didn't have time to create a bill of lading. So if you don't mind doing that, thank you. <laughs> yeah. they, will they will literally do it for you that's way easier <laughs> yeah well, i've got templates for that if you guys want me oh. to flick them through to you i've got templates of bills of lading for different oh, things that we yeah. use for that and Absolutely. i've also got a um verification of certification of mail which i get whoever's at the post office to sign and witness it no some people not happening zev in new zealand they won't accept the mail certification um, they won't, will, the post office will not sign them at all. Um, I've actually spoken to the head of the post office and apparently they no longer provide that service. So no post office in New Zealand will now sign those. And in Australia, um, some of our um, sovereigns in Australia um, are getting refused. So the certificate should, um, what we've gone with the sideways is the third party. Yeah. Um, okay. I've got a witness good. thing on there as well. I take a friend with me to witness it. But here in Australia, yeah. I mean, I've been doing these rather recently, um, and they just charge you three dollars. But they won't autograph it. They won't thumbprint it. But they'll sign it for you, and okay. they'll stamp it. So it's been through the postal system to wow. show that you put it through their system to send it to yourself. Right. You yep. can also buy in Australia because we've we've got some of our sovereigns have actually bought some for us and sent them over here to New Zealand. Is the UPU coupons. You can order them and, okay. and purchase them through the post office. They are the most, as you know, the most powerful. So I would suggest you get yourself some UPU actual coupons. Um, yeah. Actually, I'll, I'll quickly show you um, what they what they are because I've I've got a whole bunch of them myself. 
Um, just keep talking while I find it for you and then I can come back right. to you. <clears throat> no, I love what you guys, I guess I really love it just getting to talk to you guys directly from doing this and seeing that you're incorporating so many of these other areas and aspects of, of trust law, contract law, the admiralty, the UPU, it, it's all been, and common law, it's all been brought together. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're all trying to get to the, the same goal. We're all trying yeah. to get to the same destination, you know? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> okay, that's pretty cool. That's almost like a promissory note, Kaz. It is, yeah. Yeah. So you you in Australia, you guys can actually purchase them from your post shop. Wow. What, what exactly about, are they called? A, a UPU coupon? It's actually called a Union Postal Universal. And interesting, it's all in French because, you know, UPU is actually in The Hague. So, yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So order, order some um, because in my documents... I actually put my postmaster general stamp, because I have a postmaster general stamp, and I yep. and I put my autograph through it, and I actually attached it um, to my um, statement of claim, intent, and truth. Um, st uh, sorry, statement of truth, intent, and claim of right. So I attached one of these and sent it off to the CEO of our of our government. Oh wow. Yeah, that'd, that'd be better than a bill of lading having one of those then because they can't I had a I had a bill of lading and a Nakua letter that attached to it. Oh, nice, very good. You, you yeah. put that through the portmaster of the port authorities, <laughs> and that's that's that shuts. They can't refute that. You've got your UPU certification, your postmaster, your bill of yeah. lading. Often when we've sent documents with a bill of lading, and often it's what I do is I send an affidavit and I annex her and attach the notices to the affidavit. Right. The reason yep. for that being an unrebutted affidavit stands in truth becomes yep. fact in law, fact in commerce. Right. Yep. And the affidavit templates that I've done up, I have a Commonwealth seal at the top of it as well, which makes it harder for them to dispute or reject. Uh, in Australia, due to the uh, Royal, uh, what is it, the Royal Titles Act of 1973, unless they're in possession of the appropriate seals and titles to be able to refute that, they can't refuse it because of the Commonwealth seal. And, right. and due to their shareholder standing under the 1890 Partnership Act, they can't knock them back. It makes it really hard for them to do. And if you just ask them, well, we can't accept that, like I've done in court with me after David's helping people, are you in possession of the appropriate seals and titles in accordance with the Royal Titles Act of 1973 to have the authority to refuse that? Now, the bonus, I'm pretty sure what the same for you guys in New Zealand, the bonus of that is that <clears throat> the only entity in possession of those seals and titles is the Queen of England. So no one else has the authority to reject that stuff. So it's a very handy way of just checkmating them um, sure. by putting some crafty seals and stamps. And the affidavit that I've drawn up separates us from the straw man. Gotcha. There's a lot of, um, I'll send you through a copy. I think Anthony's sure. got one. If he's got your email, he can flick that through to you. Okay. Um, that's got the yes. list of, you guys want to edit that or change it, feel free. It's a template. It's editable. It's in word format. Oh, excellent. We perfected an instrument just recently um, that went to court um, for one of our sovereign's um, son. Her son um, got pulled up and we used um, the, the stamp process on the court documents. And um, basically when he went into court, he um, got ushered over to the lawyer's table. He didn't go get put in the docks. And the, basically, the, the judge said to him, um, you know, what, what can I do with this documentation? You've taken it out of my jurisdiction. 
So unfortunately for us at the time, the, the young bloke didn't really know too much of his standing because myself and her mother, we were the ones that were doing the instructions, but they had closed the court. So there was no public allowed in the court. It was just right. him and the, and the prosecutor yeah. and the judge. So they postponed it. So, so we then, uh, the mother, because the mother had put him under her PPSR, um, and and his birth certificate under her PPSR, she wrote a letter to the judge to say that she has got the greatest security interest. Um, yep. and, and so when he went back to court, the prosecutors before he went into court said, "Ah, oh, so you don't like our jurisdiction, eh?" And um and he rang he rang his mother and he goes, "What the hell have you done, mum? You've put me in the shit because he's." And she said, "No, no, calm down." they are scared because you've taken it out of their jurisdiction. Yep. She said, what do I say? What do I say? I says, no, no, you turn around and you tell him that he is actually in a really good standing and just say nothing. And um, so when he, when, when he got ushered in, they, they closed all the courts again. So it was just him and the prosecutor. And the judge this time was smiling at him and said, come in, come in. Would you like a piece of paper and a pen? <coughs> <laughs> and the and he says, well, yes, your honor. He says, great, great. Well, you know, come and stand over here. And would you like to would you like to interview your witnesses? And um and he said, yes, yes, your honor. I'd like to I'd like to you know. Um, so he called up the cop who had not even been there. He was just doing his duty. And he turned around. And he says, judge, um, this 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 person should not even be a witness and the judge says yes dismissed step down and uh and then and then he called up the next witness and he says oh judge they've really got no evidence and the judge says yes case dismissed close the court see you later yep. so it was it was a it was a it was an interesting yep. process to see that our paperwork had actually removed it completely out of yep. their jurisdiction sure. yeah and now Rather than it being removed completely from the jurisdiction, what we technically want to do is express an interest in that court file number, capture it as settlor, deposit it into our trust res, and collect on the rents, interests, accruals, profits, blah, 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 blah. That's a whole other court case now that you're bringing as the plaintiff to sequester, marshal, segregate the assets from the consolidated funds held federally and give me my chunk. And if you're going to give it to me in the form of a check, make sure it's payable to the court, leave the money in the court. Money's payable to the court. Leave all these stuff, leave all this stuff in the court. As soon as we take all that stuff out into the public, someone's gonna to try to steal it. So literally leave it in the court building or in the custody of the judge. That way the judge's assistance can help us either deal with debt, discharge debt, move property around, all that stuff. We never really wanna take private funding into the public. Leave it actually in the courthouse. So that would have been a beautiful little way for your 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 colleague's son there to to finally put a little bow on capturing the abandoned interest. We did, we did. Oh, we actually, yeah, we actually wrote, we wrote an invoice. Um, we actually sent put them in an invoice as well. So we charged all of them for it, and we left it in the court. Nice. There you go. So we, it was it was actually um, we charged for his time as traveling. For, for attendance and we actually left it in the court and we've and because he went back a second time we did a second one and, and also submitted it to the courts oh, so there's a nice little bundle of money sitting there waiting yeah, absolutely now if he if the uh deficient part yeah. of the program there was 
if he hasn't received any, let's call it tangible remedy yet, I mean, other than having the case dismissed and, and police officers uh, told to step down, if, if, if he hasn't actually collected on those interests yet, this is the cool part. We can't collect on these interests until we surrender that interest and put it into the possession of the secure party. How do I know this for a fact? Because I did it backwards. I tried collecting first before I surrendered it. And I got the big, uh -uh, that's not how you're supposed to do it. So I kind of did that on purpose just to kind of eliminate the, 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 pro yeah, the process <laughs> of elimination. But, but yeah, you're right. Um, once that uh, interest- Yeah, you've got to give it, you've got to have the trustee hold the funds. Yes. The yes. trustee's got to be in possession yes. of the funds. They need, before yes, the yes. they hold the, they hold the principles. Sure that yeah. The trustee has them. That's right. Yeah. And as you being the beneficiary and the administrator, you can then you can then under your memorandum and your Miranda uh, your Mirandumus instruct yep. them or or enforce them to then make that payment out. To release yeah. it. Yeah. Bingo. They've got to be in possession of it first. So do you guys out of curiosity? I get with while we're claiming the settler so that you can settle the debts and titles to the creditor, which is so the UCC stuff I'm glad to know is still usable here because we've established our standing as the creditor. But I like uh, but have you done a have you done a non-UCC, Zev? What do you mean done non-UCC? Have you done a non-UCC? Do you know what a non-UCC is? No. Haven't heard of non-UCC. No, not very many people know about the non-UCC. You see, the non-UCC is actually in the private. It makes it very difficult for, for other secured parties to even find you. All yeah. they know yeah. is, is that there is a secured interest in the private that yeah. they do not have access to. Because right now, what you've done in the UCC is you put yourself into the public, you're on the public arena, stating that there is a secured interest involved. When you do a non-UCC, it's stating, yes, there is a secured interest, but it's private and you have no access to it, which actually makes you a better standing. On the UCC form, there is an option there for non-UCC. There you go. Okay, yep. I've just put my email up in the chat there, Kaz. If you can send me any info on that, I'll have I will send you some info, definitely. Um, the the reason how I found out about too. that was the guy, the guy that I... <clears throat> got all that information um he had been in a car accident and was crippled from the neck down mm -hmm. so he has spent the last 40 years studying this shit oh, wow. <laughs> awesome. and, awesome. and he's now he now directly communicates with the treasury so yeah, whenever nice. he needs things paid he just he just informs them this is what you need to pay blah 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 he's yeah. also got a letter from the inland revenue tax department securing him and his family for life so he's no longer he's no longer he's no yep. longer has to pay taxes no nothing i haven't paid taxes i haven't paid taxes since 1997 so i yep. dealt with a tax office a long time ago doing this yeah and he actually got a letter asked them for a contract and when they didn't have one i was like sweet i actually got the tax office to send me a letter stating i was exempt uh, because yeah. they couldn't yeah. provide any evidence or proof of their claims. I did this 20 odd years ago. It wasn't a letter of exemption, back. though. This was a letter of protection. Yep. Nice. So they wrote, they wrote a letter of protection, not a, an exemption. Yeah, there's there's literally a, a certificate, uh, like a, a, clearance, <clears throat> a clearance certificate that they actually will issue that uh, essentially is suggesting, yeah, you're cleared. You're cleared from obligation. Yep. Beautiful. Yeah.
so he did the he did the UCC so he did the non-UCC and then went ahead and did the um, non-UCC three Okay. Because the three is what seals the deal. And that's when that's when they will then hand you the, the platinum card. Wow. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. We're, we're so close. It's <laughs> we can taste it. I love it. There's all these different angles all heading for the same destination. The same purpose. We've been doing yeah. this for many a year, starting to get a little bit closer on how to how to actually attain this through um, different claims, standing, paperwork, documents, where and how to file them. Yeah. Uh, and as always, great to get some new information because sure. personally, 20, 25 years have been doing a lot of this sort of stuff. And in the last 12 months since the lockdown, we've all had a lot more time to do some homework. <laughs> yes, we've, uh, it's been great. Yeah, um, for COVID, you know, it's yeah. been really good that we've all been out uh, and a lot more time on Zoom speaking with people like yourselves to... Yeah exchange ideas and information and go i hadn't done that step i've done this and the friends are like oh we haven't done that so we've you know put it together and this yeah. the sharing of knowledge and information in the last yeah. 12 months or so has been phenomenal for a lot of us who have been doing this for a number of years to yep. see some different angles and tricks of the trade to, to help move forward on this so yeah. just awesome stuff guys it's yeah i mean hearing yeah, we're, we're ha awesome. yeah, we have so much substance now. We have so much volume. We have so much collaboration. Now, again, we're, we're going to rely on, you know, gentlemen like Anthony here and, and Kaz that have, you know, incredible uh, attributes for helping us manage and dispense the knowledge in the most efficient mode possible, in the, you know, most uh, non-overwhelming form as possible. And yeah, again, we're looking, very, you know, very much forward to, to developing this stuff and pushing this thing to where it was ultimately going to go anyway. And Kim and Serena. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the team, right? The, the teams that we're building are, you know, it's, it's beyond re uh, reproach, really. It's just incredible. The, the other thing, the last thing that we, um, I wanted to talk to you about was the fact that, as I said to you earlier, we've actually created a council because, because one of the things that once we remove ourselves out of the system, because, because we're, we're in a corporation system, the legislation and bills and acts, as we know, is just part of the HR policies, right? It's all part of part of their policies. So when we created a council, what we've actually created is a constitution and a proclamation. Right. So that 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 in itself then means that if they need to deal with us, they we already have our own constitution, and yeah. so therefore they step into our jurisdiction, sure. our constitution. And as a matter of fact, Parliament will actually cut you your own private member's legislative bill. You'll, they'll actually develop legislation just for us. You just have yeah, to submit it. We've been working, I work a lot with a lot of our uh, original sovereign tribal people here in Australia. And there's a few of the mobs and tribes that with our maxims of law and the very first maxim of law being first in time, first in law. Now, it's no secret that our original people didn't arrive here <clears throat> in Australia on the boats with the English because they're already bloody here. They right. already had tribal law and a tribal governance system set up here. So I've been working with a couple of different mobs around the country to help them set up their own tribal council to form their own tribal government. Excellent. We had a, a massive court case here uh, last year in February on the 11th of Feb called Love versus the Commonwealth. Okay. And the Australian government and the High Court here recognised... I don't like using the word sovereign here because it scares the crap out of the government. So yeah, yeah. what they did, rather than use the word sovereign, they made a ruling through the high court that sovereigns have the rights to not that they needed the recognition, but they got it through the high court. 
Sovereigns have the right to form their own sovereign government and govern themselves sure. under their own sovereignty. But yep. to do so, they were no longer recognised as sovereigns by the High Court. They were now recognised as non-alien, non-citizen. So no, they weren't yeah. aliens to the land, but they weren't citizens. They weren't a citizen of the ship. Hence, right. citizenship, they weren't part of the Admiralty either. Yep. So they've gone with the term non-alien, non-citizen um, to recognise that sovereignty. So... We're kind of utilising that with a couple of different mobs here in Australia to help some of the tribes get their council together to form their own tribal government on their own tribal lands. Where gotcha. it's completely separate of everything. But then I've said to a few of the guys, look, once you guys have got up and running, then we can do a lot of your UCC that's divergent and changing titles and all to put that back into the hands of the people and the tribes to be able to have that autonomous government where you actually own everything as well on paper. Uh, sure. properly recognized by their bullshit system at the same time because yeah. there's a couple of things that they can also do in that um zev is um because there's a lot of people in well not a lot but there's a few people in america that have um also become non you know non-citizen alien um and yep. they've removed themselves from the jurisdiction they've done what's called an act of state so that's so that's um that's a reaffir reaffirming of a of character so that's that's one thing. They can also um, you can then do what's called a, a commercial security agreement, which then enables you, if you choose to, still work within the commercial world, but you have a greater authority um, in in doing so. So you're still in the private, but you you then also have the ability to be able to work in the commercial world or make money or do whatever you want. Because we, we had a problem where there was a guy in New Zealand who went through this process that we went through, got himself completely out of the system, but he can't even have the bank account anymore. Yeah, well, yeah, that's you've got to be able to have a foot in both worlds as yeah. you need and you need. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And, and from our experience, once that certificate is in the possession of the secured party or the successor in interest, if you will, those are, if you want to call it the grounds that a bank is looking for so that they can set up special accounts for set off the set off accounts are equitable doctrine in nature and all that's suggesting is hey at the end of midnight or at the end of every banking day they're going to literally set off or zero that account so regardless of what you spent today with your platinum card at midnight or two minutes after midnight that balance actually gets zeroed and you get to start again the next day is that like a yeah. line of though like where you don't have to have liquid cash like you're saying I went and bought a hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment and yep. then okay. yeah, zero yeah they have to balance the ledger and it would balanced out of your trust because they have to balance it against your secured interest yes. as the creditor settler the grantee all the rest of it there yep. by their own banking because it's so fraudulent anthony they have to do that to balance their own books and the only way they can do that is to access the trust yep. so we can't access it but they can on our behalf that's right. With our instruction to do so, once we're recognised with the appropriate standing. Yep. And you know how that you know how they have have placed the value on you, you know, to be able to create the mortgage in the first place. It's yeah, called the, oh, it's the minimum wage. It's the minimum wage act. So the minimum yep. wage act is basically they get it. They they say okay, over a lifetime, um, if we say the minimum wage is twenty bucks, then this this amount of money will be worth for that person. So that's why they created the minimum wage act was so that they could have an idea of how much each person actually costs as far as the equity mortgage is concerned. 
sure. right? but is there a limit to that? Yeah, like, gives them a, it's, it's an estimate. It's it's like trading on the stock exchange for futures or an options trading, where they estimate this is what you'll earn. Therefore, we estimate as our Chattel property, which we're listed as, this is Correct. what you'll earn in a lifetime. Therefore, that's what they trade on. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And that's how they balance the box. Yeah, that's right. I'm yeah. saying, is there, is there a limit on that? Because Darren, you talked about you know renting helicopters and just doing whatever you need to do. Like, what if I I want to go and invest ten million dollars into a, a massive project or a hundred million? Or yeah, million? absolutely. As a matter of fact, um, I submitted uh, some instruments that's actually going to technically absolve Canada's national debt. So I tendered some paperwork, or it's coming down the pipe where I valued my estate to be the exact same number that Canada's national debt is at the moment. Now, it's kind of interesting how legislation in Canada, they want us to assess our estates ourselves and they're going to assess it for us. It's just like they're, they're, going, to look, they're going to look for a balance here somewhere. Why? Because they need to affix their 10% to something. And based on what you're going to do or what your intentions are, they can't quite anticipate that. So they can't come to me and say, Darren, your estate's only worth $100 million. It's like, yeah, no, I can spend that in probably two minutes. Way, I, I need access to way more than that, which is why I suggested I'm going to take on Canada's national debt in one shot. So that's $1.5 trillion worth of funding at my disposal, how I can direct however I want. Because all, all I'm doing is taking an existing <laughs> debt, right? That existing debt's here. And now I'm actually reappropriating. I'm, re I'm literally reappropriating its use by coming forward and expressing my beneficial use of property. Every time I rent a helicopter for $10,000, that's $10,000 that comes off of the national debt, which is why and it's then, in the public. Well, and then point. you include, include your statement of, of tax, which was your non you know, your exemption tax. Sure. So, so when you do that, make sure that you have that statement, because if it's in the New Zealand and Australian legislation, I can guarantee you it'll be in yours, because remember, first in time is first in law. New yep. Zealand is first in time. So all law was written in New Zealand and went out. So yep. if it's in New Zealand, it will definitely be in yours as, yep. as yep. well. Any, any Commonwealth nation, if it's done in New Zealand, um, the records too, if you poke around and that will all be held in Latimer Square uh, in New Zealand. So we've got the Vatican in Europe, you've got Washington, D.C., and you've got the City of London. Yeah. There needs to be four for one of each four corners of the globe for where all these records, artefacts, the banking, like the City of London on the Thames River has all the banking, the finance. Washington, D.C. has the records. The Vatican has the artefacts. And yeah. Latimer Square in New Zealand holds the law. Oh, um, wow. As I say, that's where that started. That's the fourth corner of the globe yeah. to tie all these places in. Uh, where they've got their own city autonomous to their own law inside another country. Right. Latimer Square is the fourth one. Yep. And that's in New Zealand, New Christchurch. Yeah, so much history here. It's incredible what's actually happened, you know, to get us to where we are today. It's it's pretty mind-blowing. And the dots were all connecting now. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, for sure. And the prophecy, the prophecy is, is that it's the um the original before the, the floods of Noah came along, Australia and New Zealand was actually one, one land. And so the originals or the aboriginals were actually the one tribe. And when the great floods came along, where, where you know, the, the earthquakes created the separations <coughs> of land, New Zealand was then separated, the bottom portion had separated out. But 
the um, with the Noah Ark and the eight families, well, the original family was the originals of Australia. So they were all in Australia or Adam and Eve was where it was originated, was in Australia. And when they had the eight families, well, in the Maori history, seven tribes went out. Well, the eighth tribe members were actually still in Australia. So when they, the original, that's why the originals um, of, of Australia and the originals of New Zealand and America, um, Africa, they are actually the one tribe of Adam. And that's why they have such a standing. And that's why there's such a diversion in regards to the originals of all countries, because they actually have the original bloodline of Adam. Yep. That's why they, they try and, you know, they, they constantly, you know, subrogate these people. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wow. Yeah, there's, there's, there's lots of bedtime stories hiding in here. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. a book of Quick question for you too, just while I've got you. I think James has organized another one of these for us tomorrow, um, which when he told me who else he had on, I was stoked because I know all the other guys that are on tomorrow with James. Um, yeah, we got a right here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a wow. Like you've got some, some serious um, legal right. brains and minds for Australia. Uh, when James told me who it was, and I had a laugh because I've actually worked with all these guys and we've all helped each other with stuff as well. Excellent. So when James told me who was on, I was just like, mate, you've got some serious heavy hitters for yeah. the legal lawful circles in Australia coming on for that tomorrow, which is brilliant. Yeah, um, amazing. Yeah. yeah. And again, that's the, 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 the foundational premise behind the Divergence platform, bring all these heavy hitters into one room you know, or under one umbrella and just let us do our thing. A meeting of the minds. W without the censorship, yep. without the Facebook jail, without the, all that garbage, we're actually going to be able to do what we are, you know, meant to do. I think look, you guys for that, that meeting tomorrow with James yep. um, and Anthony, if you're available, mate, I'd love you if you could jump on with that one for some of the paperwork we'll be doing there. The other Anthony I've told you about will be on that tomorrow as well. Um, he's genius and he's like an absolute bulldog he gets a whiff of any of this stuff and he just does it awesome. he does his homework he goes yeah i've got my head around it it's filed it's done and he's doing it and onto it um jabin who's on tomorrow as well is being kicking ass with the banks and the mortgage stuff um and calling them out well so there's tomorrow's one will be awesome just yeah. want to know one of the guys that's been you guys have been helping a lot Elmog, um who lives up near me in northern new south uh, he sent me a list of some of the documents and stuff, which I'm technically on holidays here in Melbourne as I'm off to a festival tomorrow, but I've delayed leaving so I can do the Zoom with you guys tomorrow. When James yep. told me he was going to be on, I'm like, yeah, we'll leave late. I'm, I'm coming. Um, um, but just for the paperwork and stuff, is there some sort of a, like an order of, I kind of got my head around, obviously, just through reading through some of them, what they are, as to obviously what's got to go first. But is there a some form of uh, documentation for the process stating which yeah. is done yeah. yeah, essentially uh, phase one, if you want to call it that. It's, it's the adverse claim, whether that's written on the birth certificate or if it's written on a piece of paper and that piece of paper is attached to the birth certificate, that's step one. Step two would now be the affidavit in support of what you just surrendered. Uh, yeah. 
Document three would be the security agreement. I'm kind of, we're kind of classifying that as phase one because that's enough information right there to get you into court. Now that you're in court, the judge is going to say, well, what do you want to do? That's when you can whip out phase two. And phase two is, yeah. well, your honor, I've expressed a deed absolute declared to be a mortgage and equity. I've attached this value to it. Here's my caveat. And here's my declaration for that. Phase two, while you're sitting in front of a judge. And now, question, sorry. So a quick question for you on that. You said you've got an affidavit to support it. Now, one of the things I started doing last year was I, instead of sending an affidavit in support, the key document that I'd served them with was the affidavit itself. And then I annexed it or attached the other documents to it, making it part of the affidavit. And yep. therefore, if I can't rebut it, it stands in truth, becomes fact in law, fact in commerce. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. Um, as a, just a way of sort of changing that around a bit for you guys to do some homework on. If, you, if you've got the affidavit template ready to rock for that, that's fantastic. But yep. then attach your other documents to the affidavit so that if they don't rebut the affidavit and everything attached to it, yeah. you're home and home. If they can't yep. rebut it, it's... Yeah, that's right. It's a beautiful little process. Absolutely. So our documentation... <clears throat> Bridge Columbia, for example, I mean, I, I know we're, we're very close here to being able to put all of that up so that people can actually see it and use it as a, a guideline. Phase two will be coming down the pipe just a little bit. Yeah, but don't get me wrong. Phase two is actually ready. Uh, we just have to convert the documents. Um, our, our, our tech wizards here in the background, she needs to make them fillable and edible uh, or video, content. video content where, where the forms, you know, they, they drop down and you just fill in the fields. And it's, it's a very user-friendly system that, you know, Kim has spent a lot of time here developing and, you know, we so appreciate that. And that format is going to be replicated for Australia, New Zealand, New South Wales, uh, Russia, <laughs> everywhere. Um, yeah, awesome. And, and every time I develop one of these things, I'm actually going to be boiling it down, compressing it, making it more digestible and easier for us to comprehend and work with it. Because again, I'm not a big proponent that we need 40 pages of stuff anymore. No, yeah. I don't think no, we need That's to. awesome. Well, look, I'm a fan of drowning the bastards in paperwork. So I say, no, no, <laughs> we, we send like three inch thick affidavits to them with a, yeah. it's probably uh, not necessarily some of the stuff we put in there, but for them to rebut it, they've got to go through it point for point. Because you yeah. can't just with them try it in court. We reject that affidavit in its entirety. Yeah. Um, sorry, fellas, but that's not how it works. You've yeah. got to go through that point for point, and anything you can't rebut will stand in truth and become yeah. fact in law. You yeah. can't just reject the whole thing. No. You've got to go through a point point, and the annexes and attachments to the affidavit need to be rebutted point for point as well, because that's they're right. now part of the affidavit. Yeah. 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 And once you assign that security interest to, the, to them, they don't even have the power or the capacity to even question anything we're doing now. We literally just yeah. we literally just cut them off at the knees. And they have, you know, as trustees, they have very little power now, except for the power that we give them to manage the estate, the trust, and, and do the negotiating. Uh, a trust for sale is of something that's also coming down the pipe here. We can, ex we can express our interest either as a deed absolute declared mortgage and equity, define a principal amount, and then collect on the interest of that. That's kind of one formulation that I'm considering. Another formulation really is where we basically put them in the position of saying, hey, this trust is for sale and you have the power to sell it. And you will determine a market value for it. You can sell the whole interest or you can sell the whole, uh, the whole entity. You can sell a portion of it. Uh, we are not restricted in any way, shape or form. We have so much remedy actually at our fingertips. It's kind of absurd. We just didn't really see it all those yep. other years. 
another question for you too. Are you guys familiar with the Form 56 from the IRS or what they are? Uh, I've done a little bit of stuff with the IRS, but to answer your question directly, no, I'm not familiar with Form 56. A Form 56 um, is a great one to threaten the magis with, especially if you're getting a hard time with anything you're doing to do with UCC trust or surrendering birth certificates. Now, a Form 56 for the IRS creates a fiduciary relationship between the magistrate or the court and the IRS. Now, because they're trading on our all capital names, they're making money, they're not yep. paying tax on it. The IRS are real pricks when they're not getting their drink out. And <laughs> yeah. the magistrates are well aware of this sort of process. Tendership bricks when you mention, well, if you're not going to comply with this, I'll be forced to issue a Form 56, which then puts the magistrate and or the court directly into that fiduciary agreement and yep. relationship with the IRS where they actually have to do that, which means they lose their cut for what yeah. they're trying to trade on. And it's, a, it's another nice little uh, one you can throw at them for that. Um, yeah. For you guys who maybe aren't so many, the fiduciary arrangement, if I've got, say, a fiduciary agreement with Anthony, he's to put my needs above his own. That's right. That is part of the fiduciary agreement. And in doing so, when you do that between the court and the IRS, they have to pay the taxes to the IRS because of what they've registered and traded on through UCC held in Washington that sure. puts it on their land under their jurisdiction, which means they want their money out of the taxes for any income earned through their interest in that estate. That's right. And so the, the Form 56, I've got a copy of it. I can, I'll send it through to Anthony. I haven't got your email there, guys, but um, to send that on for you guys to have a read of. And it's sure. an actual IRS form. It's one of their documents. So it's wow. a really handy one to drop on them because it's their paperwork within their system um, to be able to go, well, if you're not going to comply, you'll be forced to pay taxes to the IRS on the trading you're doing without my consent against yep. me as the equity being the living. So um, you can do it that way as well. Oh, awesome. Thank you, guys. Yeah, excellent. There's our email as well. So yeah. any of the forms that you guys have talked about, I mean, feel free to send them. That's what we're trying to use our platform for is to kind of like to to bring all this together. Anthony's actually converting our first stage one um, over for Australia. So thank you for that, Anthony. And once he's got that, he's gonna send it back. Kim's gonna fill it all out and then we'll be loading that onto our Australian group. I've got tons of stuff I can send through to you guys. Oh, so we would love it. Again, we're starting to compile Australia. Them. So the more yeah. that's in there, then I can just, you know, let him just go through it all and sift through it. And that's how we, how he works his magic, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, no, Anthony's awesome. And the other Anthony you guys are going to meet tomorrow with James and the crew. Um, he's doing some brilliant stuff with the utility bills and all accepted for value, paid to the order of United States Treasury Department. We put the tax file number on there for the account. It's actually an account number, not a tax file number, and they can pay the amount out of that. And we're able to do all of that without any UCC or settler or grantee or any of that stuff. Yeah. It's That's just here's wow. the account number, here's the holder, take your money out of there. Thanks for coming. Yep. Um, and that's a, that's a quick, easy, uh, another lead into what you guys are doing, but from a, a different sort of an angle on yeah, that. Absolutely. Too, so. there's, there's so many avenues. There's so many branches. There's so much remedy here for us. It, it's actually kind of getting overwhelming. In which direction do you want to go? I mean, like there's there's actually a lot more than I had ever really anticipated. I had, Back in the day, I was used to thinking with Dean, like, oh my God, we got to find that one single little remedy that's going to get all this done. And now we're coming to understand and appreciate now. There's there's lots of ways to do this stuff. There's 
Again, you only have to get your stuff before the judge. You only have to get a little bit. You only have to get some before the judge and the equitable doctrines will literally take over and do the heavy lifting for you. We are not expected to know all of this stuff inside and out. No, just get enough so that you can bring your case to a judge and say, hey, I've done this, this, and this, and this, and that's about all I'm prepared to do. And your honor, I know that you're going to take care of the rest. Yeah, well, that the, happened, um, that's the other thing. Sorry, the sovereign that <laughs> I was talking about before who's actually got out of the system, he's got his letter from Vatican, Queen, you know, all those guys. Yeah. Um, he actually just went the ecclesiastic way. Yeah. Wow. So he didn't yeah, no, do anything. He didn't do any of the documentations through court or anything. He just did it purely ecclesiastical. Yep, um, yep. That's how he got out. Now, the other thing is, is that with people that are going through the ecclesiastic way and doing it, which is the affidavit of life and, you know, the CSKB and all of that sort of stuff, is in New Zealand, there was a letter that went out to all the notary publics in New Zealand to state that you are no longer to witness any form of document that gives any form of sovereignty so the, the public notaries are no longer signing but if you actually have a look under the bill of exchange act there is a form in there that states that you can use that form as a witness when the no notary public is available yep yeah so that's, so that's what we've been using that's when i did my statement of truth i used that particular form filled it out got it witnessed with our thumbs our seals a postmaster general three witnesses minimum yep. of three witnesses will do the same for you witnesses you can get yep. five on there oh that's gold that's like putting it before a jury oh, yeah. uh, yep. if you we get three, get the top three, three yeah. five living witnesses so long yep. as you get three that's the equivalent of a public notary because yep. we've had the yep. same problem in australia they've been told not to notarize any such documents anymore even some of the JPs, I'm lucky I've got a few good JPs I use because they know what I'm doing. Um, but the notaries here in Australia have been told the same thing. They're yeah. not to yeah. sign any of this stuff. They're only to do international stuff. And anything sure. to do with uh, sovereignty and UCC, the notaries here have been told not to sign or stamp it anymore. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah it's very, it's, it, it is very interesting that they're, they're doing this, but um, the, we also, in our statement of truth, we also sent it to the head of the police commissioner and the police stations, our local police stations. We had one of our sovereigns got pulled up the other day for not wearing a seatbelt. And the, because um, we've also changed our driver's license. So we just have sovereign in our first names on our driver's license now. Um, and I, I, I was the first one to do it in our group, um, had to fight the lawyers of the land transport for two months to get my drivers to get it all changed finally to get it because there's no legislation that states that you can you have to sign your name a certain way or have have it whatever and i had my my four lots of source documents that showed that i only had a first and second name so i had that evidence to fight it but he got pulled over and the policeman he said to the police officer oh what is, you know, why, why is your lights flashing? Is there an emergency here can, that I can help you with? And the policeman said, oh, can I, can I show you my driver's license? He says, oh, all rights reserved and handed it. And obviously it states on there as a signature, all rights reserved. The policeman went to the, to the, um, to the car and was back within seconds and sent him on his way. He had no drivers, he had no seatbelt on. He had a no. He's had no warrant or registration on his vehicle for over eleven months, and he'd been having. A, he had had a couple of beers, so 
so, yeah so so it's it's interesting that you know as Darren was explaining even all the way through his videos is that they're doing stuff in the background that we're not aware of but when you start to put your standing in it I think what they're actually waiting for is our is our birth certificates to be yeah. submitted um, because we've done exactly. everything else yeah, yeah. We're just, yeah. Yeah, process of else. elimination yeah I know we've done everything else yeah with your licenses Kaz I've been telling everyone here in Australia when you do that to put VC the Vicoactus in front of your name before you sign it so you write V.C in capitals then do your yep. signature because we don't sign the licenses anymore here we sign some other piece of paper or some digital thing okay. and then they yep. fraudulently cut and paste that and stick it onto the license yeah. on your behalf yeah. so oh, we don't actually sign it yeah. Yep. So what they we've got everyone here to do is write yep. VC, then their signature, and then when you write all rights reserved under your signature, is to make sure that some of the wording of all rights reserved is touching yep. your signature. Yep. Then they can't cut and paste it off, and it creates the joinder between the two. And yep. because it's connected, they can't just paste off the signature and leave the rest of it out because it's all joined. Perfect. And then on the license, you get VC and all rights reserved. Now, VC for Vicoactus is Latin for under duress. Sure. So when he contacts someone, duress is null and void. So if yeah. you've got that well, the license and the all rights reserved, they can't yeah. use that against you in any way. Yeah. Well, ours is digital as well. We had to use a stupid little digital thing. But what I had yeah. done is I'd taken some paper, some baking paper with me and my pen so that I could see what I was writing. So then I wrote on it, all rights reserved, sovereign Karen Loris, and, um, and, and put it like that. So, so that's, that's actually now my, my signature. Um, and, and then what I did was I also went and got myself my international driver's license. So, and I put, oh, wow. I, I put a picture of my, you can just go into any, in New Zealand, it's the AA department, get yourself a picture. And I put my seal on the corner of my picture on their form. And they came to me and said, oh, we, we can't accept that. You've got, a, you've got your stamp on your picture. And I said to them, can you please show me on your form where it states that I can't use my own stamp? Yeah. And they couldn't. So they ended up giving it to me. And it was interesting because on my international driver's license, they've put a stamp on each four corners oh, wow. Oh, of, wow. my, of my picture. But you can also see the, my stamp, my seal on my picture oh, cool. as well. And then I put all rights reserved and my and my sovereign Karen Loris on there as well. Nice. So so because when you do that, then if you can get them um, authenticated and apostilled, it has a greater standing when you go to submit it back to them. Sure. Yep. That's our reasoning why we've done that as well. Yeah. So have you got like a, a proper seal, like a hot wax for apostilling stuff with the, the red seal and the blue ribbon when you're doing that? Yes, you've got a, like a, a seal you can press into the hot wax there. It's, it's a wooden. Awesome. It's a. It's a. Um, we need one of these. <laughs> that great guys, if you've got a sealed document or you've apostilled it with the the red wax seal, yeah, that's awesome, Kaz. Yeah. If you've got that's, one of those, uh, a sealed document. Everyone has the little stamps. So that's my own private seal. It's not a yeah. seal. The seal is the red wax, and if you've apostilled it with the blue ribbon under it as well, that's sure. papal and crown sort of jurisdiction. That really yeah. screws them. But yeah. once yeah. you've sealed a document or a set of documents with that wax seal and or apostilled it, it cannot be copied. Sure. You can yeah. make another one with okay. the seal, but if you've got a seal on it, yeah. that red so wax you seal, you cannot copy a sealed document. That's, that's right. the purpose yeah. of sealing it. So yeah. once so you've that's... got the apostille on it like that, yeah, that's awesome, Karen. 
Sure. Yeah. And, okay. and, and if you don't have that stamp and you don't have the candles and the ribbons to affect all this stuff, um, another way you can actually do it is just by writing duly sealed as a part of your signature. Yeah. Well, see the, the blue seal, the blueness of that seal is actually the firmament. Right. Yeah. So, so that's that's the significance of it. Is that yeah. is that the blue seal or the red? The red is obviously the love, the living, yeah. but we're under the firmament of God. Right. So that's yeah. why they always use the blue blue ribbon because it represents. Because I don't know whether you've seen it that up. That's why they won't allow you up into the Antarctic because of the blue ice. Because what they've been doing is trying to drill through that blue ice to get out of the firmament. That's why they keep trying to put the rockets up into the air to get out of the firmament. Yeah, yeah. But, but they can't because because we're sealed. That's right. Yeah. Sealed in the firmament. The other the other side of that red and blue is for the papal and the crown. So you're getting the authority from both of their jurisdictions as well with the colours there for the two sure. to be able to remove yourself <laughs> from that through yeah. their supposed and assumed jurisdiction at the same time. Yeah, all, all these little nuances contribute to you being entitled to doing what you're doing. Yeah. In a nutshell. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. I'm loving all the different stuff everyone's doing. As I said, we're, we're all from so many different angles to get to the same destination. And by yes. sharing all this information, knowledge, people's experiences together, yeah. we're able to really streamline this process between many of us to make it effective for a lot more people to be able to do the same. That's Just right. awesome stuff, guys. Yeah, I'm stoked to be able to hear it and share it now and yeah, be part and of this all is, this with you yeah. as well. So and these, moving forward in such a way. Yeah, and these are just going to get more prolific, more in-depth, more uh, you know charitable in nature, and we're just going to keep doing this stuff. So while we're talking about that, uh, is there anybody here today that has any uh, qualms about us posting this uh, for you know the masses to consume? I guess my my only concern, and this is what um, I actually spoke about with with Serena and their the, the newbies group that they they have going, is is that um, over the years that I've seen a lot of this groups that come on board and all of that sort of stuff, and even in our own council, you know, we've had a lot of people come to us wanting us to assist. I guess my my main concern that I do have is that a little bit of knowledge is actually more dangerous than no knowledge or, more, or the most knowledge. And so what, what I've witnessed is that is that people will um, post these types of things, they'll hand out documents and little bits of information. And then I've seen so many people get themselves in the shit. They've got themselves yeah. into trouble because well, the, they don't know the this. Big problems. Yeah. They don't know who they are. They don't know their standing. And yeah. there's too many lazy buggers out there yeah. They just want the magic document, like on my templates, for example, I've got John Henry Smith in red and just edit out the stuff in red. And then you're good to, and too many people don't read the documents or have any comprehension of it. They just want the magic bullet where they just put their name on it and send it off and the paperwork does the work for yeah. them. But and without and this, knowledge to back it up, it's no good. Yeah. And, and this is where I'm actually pushing, everybody actually has to go to court. Everybody has to go to a judge in competent jurisdiction to actually to give you the qualifying questions or not, because we actually want his approval, which is actually going to help to eliminate that concern where all the undesirables are actually going to take our, our mediums and our materials and go do, you know, like you were just suggesting, uncontrolled uh, misbehavior 
Whereas I'm suggesting, no, 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 you're not going to get there or you're not going to get what you want until you go before a judge. Now, again, go to a judge in a group if you're afraid. I mean, that's all fine and any. But once you are approved by a judge to go do all this, again, when the monies are paid into court, you're not actually able to facilitate or transact out there at all unless it's with the approval of the court. So that kind of eliminates the wrongdoers or the assholes from getting their hands on what we're doing and running amok out there with a system that we're trying to employ as a, uh, a betterment to, you know, man and womankind out there. So I, I, I do love the idea of, of having a little bit of that liability pushed off to a judge at the very end here where the judge is going to say, yep, you're ready or no, you're not ready. Make another appointment with my clerk. And at the same time, we're well, also going to protect our documents as well. This is a huge concern that we brought to Anthony, and that's why we're working with him. We want to be able to not release these forms until people hear the videos, they do the curriculum, they do the learning. Um, and we can only do so much as far as giving them the information. And that's where we have to distrust the higher powers that be that they're going to, you know, protect on some level, make sure the right people get through. Right. So the, the problem is, though, is that is that we actually haven't completed the process right yeah. so so until we've actually completed the process we're actually doing more harm to these people by by dangling um the 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 invisible carrot because i've seen a lot of that going on as well is that even the crown nelsons of this world sorry zev but you know i yeah. actually know know him from what happened here in new zealand that you don't know about so there's the the dangling of the carrot and we're in a very vulnerable situation right now especially with people dealing with what's happened since yeah. last year we're people desperate. are afraid you know that yeah. there's that sense of desperateness yeah. and so people are grasping and, and needing the information so that they can get out without actually realizing it has nothing to do with getting out of a system it actually has to do from a biblical sense coming back to god Absolutely. coming out of the the evil system and back to our standing under under the firmament Correct. of our heavenly creator and yep. a lot of people aren't getting that they just they just want to pay a bill or they want to pay a mortgage off or they want to do this or do that and so for our council group we actually haven't um we've been very mindful of who we share our documentation with yep. because we have discovered that it's actually caused a lot of harm for people who haven't really comprehended, yeah. they haven't read the documents, they don't know the power that is held in their hands, and then they've ended up becoming belligerent um, to the yeah. cops, belligerent with the with the court, and belligerent with whoever they're dealing with, and and they don't like belligerency, they they yeah. they they just hate it. Yeah. I don't, I, for example, Kaz, I don't give out any of my paperwork or documents I've been working on for far too long until people do a, a paid appointment with me via Zoom so I can explain it to them. Because at first I was like, yeah, here you go, yeah, guys, use this stuff. And people were getting themselves in a world of trouble. So it's like, right, you've yeah. got to come and talk to me. And as a duty of care, you're not getting the document so I know you've got to get your head around them. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to get yourself in trouble. Because sure. I gave you the paperwork. That duty of care is on me and I don't want that on my conscience. Yeah. If yeah. someone's yeah. gone and copped up with my work, I know it works. I've been doing it for years. Yeah. But yeah. till people get it, people just want the quick fix. They sure. want the magic bullet, the silver bullet, the magic document. They just does it for them, but they're not prepared to do the work themselves to learn it or to be yeah. able to 
to have their own standing and really be able to do that properly from from here. Yeah. And and then again, this is, you know, to to support my position here. Again, this is why I love getting it before a judge because the judge let him make the determination whether you're ready or not. Yeah. So, so coming back to your question then, do do I object to having this Zoom session on it? The reason why I tend to be quite anonymous is because I can't guarantee that we're not even being watched even in the Zoom. Oh, of course we are. Oh, yeah. I cannot guarantee that, you know, I, I've had, you know, I've had um, stuff actually disappeared off my computer. So now I've removed everything off my computer. It's just on yeah. a hard drive and it gets locked away in a security. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Dean and I were, you know, we appreciated that concept more than anybody. We just accepted the fact finally that, hey, go ahead, monitor everything I do because it's, it's done with integrity. It's done with honor and it's done with proper good conscience and intent. So I've actually never had anything go missing from my computer. Neither has Dean given our attributes in what we've done. Because again, I guess at the end of the day, uh, the system is, they are monitoring us. Everything we do, think, say, feel, they know about it. So for us to try to hide, ah. Or operate in fear. The problem is though, is that that we're we're getting closer. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're, we're actually, we're almost right at the at the dot and they and they're watching we actually think we're already yeah 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 yes where you're coming from and your concern um we have agreed which is we're going to follow through on what we said as far as protecting people up to the court system so if you don't want something in your arm you don't want somebody taking away your kids or your house at least we can protect you up to that point if you want to go further you need to understand your stuff and that's where our curriculum is going to come in we're going to have a test where you actually have to go through a testing to make sure you're absorbing the information. You get a high enough score to release the form. If you don't, sure. you got to take over the stuff again. <laughs> yeah, I, and we, that's how we're going to operate it. Yeah. Not initially, we're going to have more of an information for the first three forms because this is about protecting people. But if you want to become a team leader, if you want to really get yourself, do you want to take this right to the very end, then you're going to have to know your shit. Yeah. So be clear, we're aware of that. Yeah. We are very in tune with the energy and the, even just the attacks and the people trying to use us right now. That's the reason I'm in the picture here. <laughs> So I put up my feelers. I was very attracted to the two of you guys. That's why you're here. Anthony, same thing. Kim's a long-term friend. Serena's a new one for us, but it's it's a feeling in this. And we're really letting that guide us and trusting, again, you guys, that on some level we're being protected here because otherwise we're not going to operate in fear. That is completely well, contrary. Yeah, guys, I gotta say, Serena's one of the awesome ones who's been very involved with our common law community for quite some time. And yeah. It's yeah, great to have yeah. Her here and she's the reason we're all together here, so yeah, it's wonderful. Sure. And we're going to have you on the meeting tomorrow here again, um, Zev. So that's wonderful, and it'll be great. I think Anthony's going to be joining us as well. Kaz, if you would like to join in, you're more than welcome because of your wealth of knowledge. Um, by all means, you can uh, join in on that. It's at four o'clock our time tomorrow, so just a half an hour earlier than this. Four one. o'clock, I thought it was in the morning. Oh, your time that's morning here, oh. like 11 or so, I think. Okay. Uh, it's one hour less, a uh, half an hour less than what uh, I messaged you this morning. So, yeah. um, seven, nine o'clock your time. Yeah, because I just talked to James, and yeah. he's fifteen hours behind me. So seventeen yeah. behind. I'll, I'll ring James when we're done and just confirm. Let's confirm time. that. <laughs> Absolutely, we want you on there. <laughs> yeah, for oh, sure. that's great. Well, this is wonderful, you guys. Um, are you guys okay though? If we put up this recording, there was lots of little. T- Nib, uh, tidbits in there we didn't we're not going to release any of your forms Kaz anything you email to us we're not going to put up just the content of this email so do we have your guys's permission if everyone can give me a nod if that's all right awesome yeah. okay 
Excellent. If you need anything cropped out or whatever, because I can do that if needed to be, just in relation to the comment on yep. the crown. Serena, can you Photoshop my hat on? I didn't get my hat before. I usually don't get on Zoom without my, my Cooper on. I didn't get a chance to grab it this morning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you mean without your Cooper? <laughs> yeah, that's it. I feel weird being on Zoom without my hat on. It's, it's... <laughs> I noticed that. I noticed that. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. So, yeah. So, before we close up here, I would literally, literally like to turn this over to Beverly and just give us her input, her opinions, her. She's her, been so patient. Yeah, who, you Thank know, you. This is another friend of ours who's, who's been, uh, you know, an, uh, an up and coming contributor here where we can feel it. So, she's taking on our, she's going to be one of our Ontario <laughs> once we get her through and her questions answered. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, um, Actually, I was just quite blown away by the call. Thanks so much for inviting me and letting me be a part of this. Um, it was really amazing. Um, some of the things that really stood out for me that I thought was kind of interesting was um, the gentleman from Australia. I'm sorry, I can't remember your name, but uh, he spoke about uh, um, when you uh, put together the adverse claim and the security agreement with the affidavit, which is kind of something I was gonna ask you the same question about, why would I like maybe be a guinea pig and go straight to court and add all my documents onto that affidavit, put the whole package together, go directly to chancery to the judge. Yep. And I've even uh, outlined kind of a brief letter that I was going to submit with it. Um, it's kind of lengthy, so I could probably maybe text it to you guys later, but. Um, it states a little bit about, where did I write it now? I thought it was organized. Um, um, like attention to the civil registrar in, uh, at Chancery and then forward to personal office of the judge magistrate at Chancery. And then re-notice of adverse claim uh, require, and I didn't know if now this was gonna be something I could demand of them or not, but you said with the perfected instrument that you can actually make some requests. So yeah. I was thinking, you know, could I demand, you know, them to file and register my perfected security interest? And then number two, appoint the new trustees based on all the documents that I have supplied. Yeah. Absolutely. Just Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, get, to, get them to appoint the trustees first. And now you can demand the specific performance or the obligation now owed to you. Right. Perfect. Okay. And you don't want to request anything, Beverly, as the, demand. in that position and the standing that you're creating for yourself in this process, we're not asking them for anything. We give instructions, we give directions, we give orders. We don't ask, we don't request, right. we tell them. We give the orders. So it's, so it's I require right. of you to, yes. yeah. Kind. Okay. Kind. Yeah. Kind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so nice with my paperwork, guys. I'm just... I mean, I'm into them and uh, you'll, you'll follow the instructions. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, you know, yeah, you're right, uh, Beverly, you're correct. We'll, uh, we'll use your, uh, your, your position in time right now to get into a chancery. Now that we've actually gotten some chancery listing court motions, again, this is something that has taken us 20 years to figure out. Yeah. We've, been, we've, been, we've been chasing chancery court for yeah, seven years now, and we are finally able to get two hearings listed on the same day and yeah we're super excited about this because we, we know where this is going <laughs> yeah and is it okay then if i just texted you a copy of my my full letter because i've added some other things in there and i just wanted to make sure that you know i know that when you put you know pen to paper that you know you're the one that's in control with the you know secured you know interest 
uh, sure. certificate. So I just want to make sure that my wording is, you know, yeah, absolutely. Spot yeah. on. Yeah, we'll yeah. take a look at it. Of course. Yep. Yep. You okay. Betcha. So also now that means then in the rest of my paperwork, I cannot be addressing um, any of them to the registrar or the attorney general. I've got to address it the same way as I am to the civil registrar, right? At Chancery. Yeah. And then the registrar passes it off to the judge if the registrar exactly. themselves cannot deal with it. Um, and right. as a matter of fact, there's there's motions and there's petitions where we don't even have to provide notice to the attorney general to do this. Why? Because it's implied. They know. Right. As soon as we perfect an interest, we don't even need to give them notice. Boom, right through the judiciary system, and the judge will look after everything for us in right. the background. Beautiful. Right. Um, there was another thing. Oh, also, um, what do you think of, um, like, I, I also like the fact that they were talking about three witnesses, because in our documents, we're talking about two witnesses. So sure. wouldn't it wouldn't it be... Like, wouldn't it behoove me to take each one of the documents and do a three witness Absolutely. sign off on each one of them? Yep, you betcha. Like, like I'm, trying to, I'm trying to dot all my I's and cross all my T's yeah. so that, you know, it, it's kind of a smooth process and just to it's see how it comes back, you know. Three, three living witnesses with an autograph, which is the thumbprint with your date and signature instead of just the signature. And okay. the autograph with the thumbprint is really important because... Companies and corporations obviously don't have thumbs, therefore they yeah. can't do that. And the dead, they can't go digging up corpses that have been lost at sea for 40 years and get them to thumbprint it either. So yeah, that's right. why it's really important we do the autograph instead of a signature. Yeah. If you get your witnesses to all do that as well, and you can get three living men or women as your witnesses, that's the equivalent of a notary. Yeah. Now, with the notaries not doing any of this for us anymore, getting a minimum of three women. You get five on there, it's like a grand jury sort of thing. Sure. But three will right. get you over the line. Um, yep. So if you can right. get a minimum of three witnesses on there, you're home and hose with that. But it really gives those documents, if you've got three witnesses on there, uh, it gives it a much higher standing for being able to do that. It's right. a great way to solidify right. your paperwork. Also, Darren, you keep talking about in your videos that there shouldn't be any surname on any of the documentation. And our documentation has our straw man name on it with an AKA and our protected purchaser name thereafter. Yeah. So are, are we going to change that and drop no, that or? No, no, we're, consider that to be like a transition. We're showing up as the debtor. We're saying, Hey, we're not disputing the fact that we're deemed to be the debtor. That's just the, what the record shows. So rather than dispute the record, we're kind of starting the process with what the record indicates. We're saying, yep, that's me. That's me. However, at some point in this transaction, I am deeming you now to be the liable. Okay. Person. And in this transfer, that surname now gets attached to the crown and delivered to the secured right. party. Now we can say no more surname, surname. But during the process, yeah, we still kind of got to show up with the surname because it was attached right. to us at birth. And now we're actually detaching it and reattaching it to someone else. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then the um, duly signed, duly sealed. You've also mentioned duly executed and then duly delivered. Should I do all four is, or is that not necessary? Again, this is me being overboard. Uh, duly sealed, duly delivered, good enough. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I have. How do you make it for Beverly the better? Yeah. Well, there you go. Again, I have this. I have this weird thing with doing too much. 
No, that's, that's awesome. It's awesome to do that because if, if you, there's no such thing as too much when you're dealing with these corrupt bastards. That's what I. That's this what makes I it do. harder and harder for them. Yeah. If you only do one thing, they might find a way around it. You put four, yeah. they, they can't get around all four. They might be able to dodge one or two. They're not going to dodge yeah. one four. And, and that that's actually and that actually leads me into this statement where I'm a firm believer. Where let's say the powers that be who are watching us, they want to see the first layer or the first wave or two of people coming through more capable rather than less capable yeah so i have another question here about the adverse claim sure. um i was i was thinking you know where underneath the small birth certificate it says assignment of security interest to new debtor yep. um i was thinking of putting in there to this certificate i am claiming a value of and then putting in my bond amount yeah, you can put that right on there too. Yeah, again, no restrictions. If you want to, if you want to insert a, a other little components, yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, I, because I, I'm I, not going to do it in two phases, right? If I'm going to send all my documents affixed to my affidavit straight to the courthouse, yep. then I need to inform them of what you know sure. my yeah. certificates, you know, what yeah. I'm asking for, right? Yeah, and, and if you wanted to update that little adverse claim a little bit, I mean, you could uh, if you're feeling so inclined payable to the order of Her Majesty the Queen and right of wherever you are. That's another kind of a important negotiating uh, aspect to what we're doing. I kind of addressed that though in the affidavit and the security agreement, but if you want to just put that right into that adverse claim, again, all good. It does, it's certainly not fatal. I, I didn't realize from the affidavit that there was any amount in there. It's actually hiding in the financing statement that was filed at the personal property security registry. I thought so. That's the only place I saw it. Yeah, that's that's the only place I put that one single number in there. Is it's hiding in the financing statement. Yeah. And 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 why and why did you choose to do that? Uh just to kind of keep it more more private. Um okay. I am kind of addressing that as again being a trust interest and as a trust interest that's lodged at land titles, the public gets to see a component of it but they don't really get to see the meat and potatoes in the background, which ironically is why in the financing statement, we identify the secured party as being the successor in interest. And then you put his address, you know, uh, room 105 of the parliament building and put the postal code on there, but no, nobody really knows who the successor in interest is. Okay. So that's like phase, that's step one. That's like, right. the part of, that's part of the page or that's part of the package that the public <laughs> see and then and then you come along and in the financing change statement that's where you actually identify who the successor in interest actually is when you send that to them and you put their details on there before you put the address of where you're sending it say room 105 you know friend at smith street whatever do you yep. put the term office found first um, there do you guys use that sort of terminology as well just to yeah and and you know i was I, told to use that but you know, uh, office holder or, or, or occupant. Um, as a matter of fact, um, I addressed the attorney general, for example, later on as being in his ex officio capacity, which means he's not acting officially, which means he's not acting publicly. So the attorney general is public. The minister of justice is private. As soon as you're talking ministers, that's the ecclesiastic side that Kaz is mentioning there. So yeah. These public officials, they have two capacities that they can operate in, but we always think, oh, Attorney General, Minister of Justice, that's one and the same. Not really. 
<laughs> and with that. <laughs> and the weather. <laughs> and in other news. Just a question here. I know James, when he was in court, he wasn't too familiar with it. I've had a couple of chats with him since he went into court and they panicked. You guys haven't heard when James did court with this. They cleared the courtroom. There was no other cases on for the day. They did yeah. not want anyone else seeing or hearing what he was up to. So it was just him for the day. Well, he was dead. He was showing up yeah. and then he came to life again. Yeah, yeah he was showing up. I'm back at, I'm, uh, here I am alive. Surprise. I've been found, not lost at sea. The magistrate, which you didn't know about, they come back when they do their reappearances. Now, yeah. I'm pretty sure this works internationally as well, but certainly here in Australia. When they come, because they got up and walked out, because they opened up his envelope and they left stains in their pants and left the courtroom. Um, and then they came back. And then when they, when they come back for that second time round, it elevates the jurisdiction of the court to the admiralty, yes. um, which if you're familiar with the admiralty law, you can have a bit of fun playing with them. You can call them okay. and walk away. Well, I've actually called a couple of meetings on the courts in the past. So okay. this could be an effective way of dealing with stuff as well. Yes. Um, but when they come back for a third time, like because they'll get up, walk out again at that second appearance at Admiralty, when they come back the third time, you're operating in ecclesiastical law. Yes. This is like sitting before the Pope at that point. Yes. So if you're good with your Old Testament and biblical referencing, when they come back for that third appearance, that third and final attempt to yep. try and create joinder or contract with you, yep. you're, if you've got some sound knowledge of the ecclesiastical law and biblical referencing, you can have a field day on them at this point. Because they're bound by that at, at, at that point. Yep, absolutely. You betcha. Yep. Yeah, it's hmm. it's incredible. It just takes a little bit of a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of wisdom, and a little bit of kahunas to, to have the audacity to go try. And again, trial by error and trial by fire is by far the most effective teaching that I've come across. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to say everybody, look, if you've got little stupid shit like traffic fines and parking fines, this is the stuff to practice on because. Yeah. Even if you're cocking up right royally, what to do? You've got to pay a fine. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not like you've committed murder or robbed a bank or anything seriously. You've caused yeah, no and... harm, no damage, no loss, no injury. No. And they've created controversy where there is none and then told you to provide remedy for it. Yeah. And you know what? Don't, don't be afraid if you are found guilty or you were still pronounced uh, a fine or a levy or a, a, a whatever, a citation of a, a monetary value, because you can roll in now with your proper uh, standing, if you will, or your perfected interest. Now you can go look at stuff called the Assignment of Judgments Act or the Reciprocal Judgments Act. What does this mean? That means you can take a judgment and you can flip it and you can assign it to the new debtor, which actually turns out to be the new registered owner. And as we all know, the owner pays the bills. So you can take, an, yeah. you can take, a, you can take a judgment and you can completely flip it and now yeah, attach that live So I'm going to have to wait for my PPSA um, other portion to come back before I can send the package complete so they can see that I've uh, you know, put some effort into doing that one part. Yeah. Yeah. So that you're alive. Okay. Um, so so I, have, yeah. I have something to say really important about the PPSR stuff or the PPSA as you guys call it. When you're, if you're going to be going down Darren's um, path in the legislation, it states that when you, when a secured, a new secured party um, comes into play, the debtor is transferring collateral or, or whatever, 
you only have five days to send the documentation on completion of the registration. This is why it's important that nobody should be actually doing their paperwork or doing, sorry, should not be doing the PPSA first before the paperwork is completed because otherwise it won't be acknowledged. So that's why for us in New Zealand and the our council, we, we're working to getting all the paperwork done together. And then the PPSR has to be the last step. Then we will send send all of our, our documentation. Sure. A quick question on that, Kaz. Is that yeah. due to, we're here in Australia with our Bill of Exchange Act, which is 1909, yours is 1908. So it's a bit different. Yes. Here, is that in accordance with the Bill of Exchange Act? Because here it's 72 hours, three days. Right. So is that five-day rule, is that a PPSR it's, thing or is that a Bill of Exchange a, thing? Under it's the a Act? PPSR. It's the PPSR five okay. business days. Sure. Yep. yep. We have that too in Canada? We have 15. Okay. Yep. So 15 in Canada. We got a little bit more yep. time. Right. And that's what, I, that's what I'm also concerned about. Is you guys have to... We're giving that information out. To, to everybody yeah. and the people are going running off and doing UCCs and running off and doing their PPSRs without having a comprehension of what the acts are saying yeah. that that they're causing themselves trouble as well. Sure. Yeah, and these, that's a perfect reason why me, for example, I'm gonna be, we're, we're gonna be punching out videos like continuously that are Multiple. You know, informational, they're educational, they're providing all kinds of stuff to help to mitigate or eliminate the the want for knowledge. Again, I, I'm we're just letting it fly and whatever sticks to the walls, I mean, that's the best I can do. And we are putting, you know, an, a, a substantial amount of effort into it where I'm not trying to leave stones unturned or I'm not trying to redact stuff. I'm not trying to hide stuff or, or any of those, you know, components. We're literally doing the best we can to bring everybody's wealth of knowledge and wisdom to a level where at least they can get into a court of competent jurisdiction where the judge now may help assist and help direct, answer questions, put modes and formulations into process and issue process and all these beautiful things. Again, the court is actually going to absorb a lot of the liability for us that we can, you know, we're, we're conscious of it right now. But again, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I can't police everybody. Mm-hmm. you know so and we can't be the judge of everyone as well so yeah let the judge yeah. who are we to come in and say yes you can fill out our paperwork no you can't yeah let, it, it's just let that's the why judge. this is a greater energy and that's why we're trusting that yeah and the judge we're gonna let the judge be the judge <laughs> yeah, yeah. through doing the process you guys have been working on i haven't gone through all the paperwork yet but what i have seen so far is awesome and great work guys thank you is there a thing for in the future to maybe have a, a separate form where you can actually create um, some form of um, acquiescence by silence to put the judge or the court into a fiduciary relationship for that? Or does once this process has been done, does it sort of automatically do that anyway? Or is that something we could be looking at to actually create that fiduciary position for them to put them into that trustee? Well, as a matter of fact, um, rather than staying silent, I'm going to kind of be a a proponent of the fact that, hey, we're going to roll into chambers as the plaintiff with our order. Our order, part of it is the appointment of new trustees. Once those new trustees are appointed, we are literally doing this and walking away. So rather than being silent, I'm going to take that a moment of time and opportunity to do a whole bunch of good stuff. Oh, no, no, not being silent there. I meant putting 
their, their silence is acquiescence. So oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you might have to say it. Yeah, you might have to say it three times, but that's okay. That's part of the process. <laughs> Judge yeah. might leave a yeah. couple times. Yeah. Don't worry. Hang yeah. tight. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, Beverly, do you have any more questions or did that? Uh... One, more, one, one more. The transfer deed of land and the mortgage deed of land, those documents, yep. are they filled out in blue? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, never use black. Yeah. As, as, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know if it was blue, red, or yeah. Yeah. As long as it's so not black. Yeah, that's clean that's red, right? Yeah. <laughs> they don't, they don't like red. I've, I've done that many a time in, in my, in my, when I've done out my forms and that they, they don't like red. But blue is contract, so use sure. blue. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, and we're finding, uh, like with the chancery listing, I actually wrote in red right on the right on the motion or right on the application, you know, special hearing in equity or whatever I wrote on there. I can't even remember what it was, but that was right in red. And the the the, the registrar blew right over that. Didn't say a peep. No. Didn't, so didn't so even, even yeah. the adverse claim still stays red though, right? I do because that's correcting. Red, red is the correcting color. Jesus wrote okay. in the Bible in red. Right. Okay. And red's also the symbology of that of flesh and blood of the living. That's also right. the blood of Jesus. Yeah, it's almost okay. like we got it's almost like we got to use red to correct, and once we're corrected, now we can use purple. Right. <laughs> okay. I, I think I've uh, thought of everything. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Oh no problem. Yeah, and and if you guys have further questions again, uh, please join us tomorrow because we'll do all this again. That's just what we do. Will, will this be the same link that you've used yes. today tomorrow? Same okay. Link. Yeah, absolutely. And then yes, you just log on a little bit before four o'clock, and we'll let you in. Um, Anthony, Good. Serena, Kim, do you guys have any questions at all? I know you guys have kind of just been listening, but uh, and with purpose, we have you guys all here. <laughs> right. We've been typing all the way through, don't we? Oh. <laughs> this is true. I know all of us have been. Da, 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 da. Well, <laughs> but I wanted to address a lot of the situations as they came up. How about you, Anthony? Sorry. I'm just saying we're doing all that behind the scenes organization note taking stuff. Awesome. This is yep. amazing. Yeah, yep. we're doing the support role stuff. Yeah. Oh. Again, another fantastic oh. meeting. You know. Thank you so much. I can feel the weight coming <laughs> off of us. This is beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. We're hitting the two and a half hour mark here. So we'll let you guys go. Um, thank you again for all your input. Please send any documents that you guys were referring to. We will not release those without your permission. It's just to collaborate them so that when it comes time to doing your area, we've got all the documents there. And again, like we said, he can just sift through them. That's where Anthony's going to be coming in, really helping to convert them all over and spit them back to us real quick so that we have a quicker turnover. Okay. Oh, I just so forget one. Darren, do I need to send copies of this package to maybe the Minister of Finance and the Director of Titles? No, because you're going to name them as defendants in your motion and they're going to be in the courtroom and they're going to get. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> uh, just a quick, quick thank oh. you guys. Um, been very educational and informative today and Great to see such awesome work being done by so many on a global scale yeah. with their input and knowledge and experience from so many people from different angles yeah, coming together and stuff. Awesome yeah. stuff, guys. Well done. Completely agree. Aww, thank you very much. Yeah. We appreciate your kind words and your support and, of course, your presence here. Yeah. And we will be calling on you again, I'm sure. <laughs> you guys well, if are I can help out in any way, guys, get in touch with us. And, yeah, I'm happy to assist where I can and I'll 
flick through them out in the paperwork to you guys and Anthony to start to form out. Anthony, I think your workload's just gone up a few levels. <laughs> My apologies, but there's a lot of stuff to go through that I've got that might be of assistance for what you guys are doing. It'll need some altering, but there's some some solid stuff there we can I feel we can utilize to help as well. You betcha. I'll also I'll do the same and send it through to you guys of what, what we've done. Excellent. Um, from our end as well. Sure. Appreciate that. Oh, thank you so much. That's yeah, great. Thank excellent. you, Serena. She's going through our inbox right now, helping me out with that. Thank you. Thank you. Kim, I just gave her a whole bunch of new list of things we have to do. So <laughs> breathe, baby girl, breathe. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Okay. Thanks for joining Beverly. Thank you, Anthony, thank you. for all your hard work, everyone, yeah. and input. Okay. Yeah. okay. Thanks. Thanks. Take care. Good night. Bye. Okay. Bye.